Fillmore from Nick Arcade telling you that video game bullshit. I, ooh, I said a dirty word. <laughs> Don't accept the rest, because video game bullshit is best. Episode 104 of Video Game Bullshit! How y'all doing today? Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? I still am blurry? Mm -hmm. What is going on? Tristan is still blurry. You got a new camera, right? Yeah, brand I got new the camera. Same camera's coughing now. Um, mine was an integral upgrade, like a tiny upgrade. Like I think one of the last digits changed on the camera that i have the logi l-o-g-i um unbelievable i blame my internet on the blurriness of your camera however remember we do have an audio only podcast too so none of the none of the actual podcast people can see your blurry face so we're good yeah well they they can just uh you know picture picture what it would look like if you take a thin slice of potato and put it over your photo lens. That's what I look like right now. You're looking good, Tristan. Real good. <laughs> <laughs> you're looking. You're looking excellent, there, guy. Um. <laughs> so we're on episode 104. We're gonna talk some crazy collector stuff. We're gonna finally talk bullshit homework. Um. And how far we did or did not get in measured Prime. But let's start how we start the beginning of every episode and see how we're going so first of all i've been drinking a lot today guys um so i am in the process of moving um i am moving to hawaii and tomorrow they're doing my non-temporary storage which is my storage move for my house so like a portion of my house is going to go into storage, which includes like all the shelving in my game room over here. Um, everything else is going to go into storage. We've been doing that. However, my wife said we have a Bartesian, which makes us drinks. And we need to make that go away before next week when they do our household goods to Hawaii. So we invited some friends over, and I've had a lot of <laughs> alcoholic drinks. Okay, so that explains I did message Tristan, and I was like, you may have to lead a little bit here tonight, but um, it is a fun time. Tomorrow morning, they're going to be here to pack up uh, the storage portion, the stuff that's not coming with me to Hawaii. Um, it's not a ton. And then I'll be here, not on this setup that we have here tonight. I'll be actually be on my kiosk, which is like right here in front of me. 
um, and it's a much smaller TV uh, going forward until I move. Um, this kiosk will be going into storage for three years after that portion. I gotta like take it down the road into my own personal storage. Cause See, that, like remi- that actually reminds me of something, Jeff. I need to find mm-hmm. out where your storage thing is and uh, I don't know, maybe maybe make some uh, deposit, or I mean, not deposit, some withdrawals while you're gone. <laughs> mm, yeah, probably not. But <laughs> remember, <laughs> like, the uh, my other storage is that kitty land in Indiana. So that's where, that's where Kyle's stuff's at. So I'm going to have a yeah. double storage. So once I move back, um, once I retire uh, here in a couple years... I'm going to have to go up to Kittyland, grab everything, come down here, grab everything, and then move to the final place in, in Florida. So it should be fun. should be fun. But um, that's basically what I've been doing is prepping for the move. I had mentioned to Tristan that I had some calls with some game developers and stuff like that all day. It's, it's, been, a, it's been a day. Um, but we do have Super Dungeon Maker for pre-order for Premium Edition games right now. Um, essentially Legend of Zelda Maker. So if Mario Maker and Legend of Zelda had a baby, and now you can create your own Z- Legend of Zelda dungeons forever. That's essentially what we Dude, have. Up for- I cannot wait to see all of the dungeons that people make. I mean, yeah, you know, everyone here has played Mario Maker and had so much fun with all the uh, the user-created content. Oh my gosh, dude. Can you imagine all the like mind-bending puzzles that are possible with Super Dungeon Maker? Have you had the opportunity yet to play the Switch version? Has Barry given you a code yet? Uh, I think so. I think so. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. He did. So I put it on, once you beat the tutorial mode, you can then go into the user-created dungeons. And I put that on random. There was one level I played, it was like Pac-Man, where you're like getting coins and you just go bum, 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 and you go around oh, the so level, cool. and it's not even challenging. Then the next one's like super like mind-bending puzzles, and it's super fun. And then the next one, so as the community progresses in their knowledge of the game, it should become really fun. It should become really fun. Well, I, I, don't, I don't know how much you like follow any of, uh, I mean, there's, there's a whole community built around Mario Maker. But uh, my favorite little niche of that community is watching the, all the troll levels that are made. So, like, all the troll levels that are going to be made for uh, Super Dungeon Maker. Oh, please, just <laughs> put it directly into my veins. It's, it's oh, I'm going to, like, pee myself laughing. I, I need to see all the posts. Coffin, what are your thoughts on Dungeon Maker? I know you're not on the premium team, but Zelda. I love Zelda, so, like, and then what's, you know, it's just like uh, Link's Awakening on the Switch. They had, like, that little dungeon maker that you could do in that game when they did the the update on the Switch. So I'm pretty excited to see what's going on with it. But, uh, like, Abara, I'm I'm obsessed with those troll levels. It's just hilarious how people set things up on people, so I can't wait to see uh, what kind of stuff they, they create. And then also, there's there's really cool ones, you know, that you know in Mario Maker where they make like cool little levels, like with just music and kind of things like that. So I'm really excited to see what people create. Well, the the interesting part is right now we had the honor of being the first available for pre order for a physical before the digital was launched. The game's launched wow. in May. Yeah. So people are going to start populate. It's about to go crazy here in May. So, like, 
And then we're taking the Preters for our amazing physical. Like, the physical looks ridiculous. Like, Tristan's working on some crazy-ass, like, manual ideas. Like, the manual looks like mm-hmm. a Zelda. Like, it's going to be gold. Like, it's craziness. Oh, we get yeah. A, we get a bonus item um, that I'm pushing to be maybe a steel book. Yeah, there's a spoiler for everyone. Like, I would love to have a steel book for Dungeon Maker. Um, we're still in the works for that. But imagine, Tristan, if you get to work on a design for a steel book for a Dungeon Maker. Mm, mm, like, mm, mm. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So those are the type of things where if we could do a steel book and things for, for Dungeon Maker, like it, it's just a, a really cool idea. Um, and I assume you'll be helping old John Miller with his his guidebook, his art book. Oh, for sure, yeah. No, I, all, all hands on deck for this one. Like, um, I'm, I'm happy to help in any way that I can on every piece for, uh, for this game. Cause man, this is going to be a big one. Like for us. Oh, it's so fun. I mean, speaking of big ones, have you been following Poglings? <laughs> you know it's what? Insane. I haven't checked in a couple days at what the total is. It's pretty insane. I'm, I'm going to look insane. right now. It's, it's pretty so insane. insane to the point where it got over a quarter of a million dollars. And they had to stop the standard tiers because of the insanity. It's like crazy. It's insanity. I haven't heard from Chad Tronic this week yet. It's you know it's now Tuesday. Um, I'm gonna follow up with him tomorrow. But like things are insane for that that Kickstarter. Um, Poglings is currently over two hundred and seventy thousand dollars. Oh, two seventy. It was two sixty earlier. That is yeah, I saw like two fifty earlier in the morning. That's crazy. And it's just the craziness, the perfect, you know, combination of a brand new game with an influencer that people like, Tradtronic, and then the Dreamcast era. Yeah. <coughs> My fave. <coughs> Excuse me. We have honeysuckle pollen out here, so if I'm sneezing, we have pollen in the air. Oh dang! Um, but yeah, no, like it's the perfect era right now with um, Sonic Adventure and you know the Chow Garden and everything hitting that right portion of nostalgia for those that are now in the working market. Because like for our era, it's Nintendo, Super Nintendo all day. Mm-hmm. For their era, mm-hmm. it's like oh, it's Dreamcast. And now, and then yeah. GameCube, and you know the PS2, and they had the Sonic Heroes collection on GameCube and everything. Um, and so now, I also, what's up? I also think too, like with the even like I know it's not with Pokemon, but like it, I mean, Pokemon's so hot right now, and those type of games are so really hot right now. So I think all combined together, they make this insanity that's going on right now with this uh, with this uh, Kickstarter. Oh, I think so. And the thing is. Like, they had the Grant Kirkhope um, stretch goal that was surpassed. And then they had another legendary artist, musical artist, stretch goal that was at 250000 Just surpassed. Um, wow. He's continuing. They're getting to a co-op mode. They're getting to so many cool things that we're going to be able to do with this game. It's just, like, outstanding what we're going to be able to do with it. And that actually reminds me, I've never even looked at what the stretch goals are. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, some of these stretch goals are legendary composers, and then now he's adding new stuff as they continue to meet and exceed the other stretch goals. 
So, like, they're to the point now where they're probably hitting 300000 for a stretch goal. What are they going to do? And I actually haven't seen what they're doing. Some of this stuff's yeah, so it, us. At uh, $300,000 raised, uh, they will add an alternate player, like an alternate um, uh, like a... main main character that you can play as. Okay. So I think that's, like, their, their big one. I wonder what they're going to do next because... I know that it's like on track to be crazy. Um, oh yeah, I mean, you know, we're geez, uh, eight days in. We're a weekend. We're a week into a thirty-day campaign for this thing, um, and there's always that like mad dash in, in the last week. So yes, I this thing's gonna crack half a million easy if if you know the if this keeps pace and I. I have no doubts that it's not going to have any trouble hitting that that number. Well, it's like right now, like my Kickstarter, that Kickstarter should be in the lull, the middle lull. Like we're mine, like for the complete NES book Kickstarter, which is a second printing. It's at like 11K, which is freaking amazing. That's awesome. Yeah. And um, I'm tracking an update two of Poglings. They're going to plug... They complete NES Kickstarter. Oh, baby. And so, so that should be that lull where you need somebody to plug it. Um, I'm not doing traditional marketing because if you do marketing with your Kickstarters, more people see it. Um, this is a second printing. I was like, I want people who want to buy it to be able to buy it. We'll sell it at conventions. It'll be fun. It'll be cool as hell. Um, it's already be, you know, met a stretch goal. We're, we're good. Um but that could be crazy, and that will help us add bonuses to the book, no problem. Like, you know, like I'm going to add, I think it's like end sheets and bookmark ribbons and, you know, um, like the uh, the top part, the bindings and all the different little additives and all the little bonuses for the books. Um, we're talking... You know, headbands and tailbands and all the cool stuff for, for books. Um, those all cost extra for every single book that's printed. That's my stretch mm -hmm. goals for a lot of the books. And I want to do that for everything. It's just sometimes, you know, if it only earns a little bit of money, maybe we won't do it. Um, but I think if, if that Kickstarter shares it and I share it conversely... It'll greatly help things. It's going to be crazy. But Poglings is nuts, dude. That game is so cool. Um, I mean, I'm excited for it. I know we're going to make some crazy physical stuff. Oh, yeah, man. The the back and forth just for the plushes. Like, uh, I think we talked about it a little bit last week. But uh, the back and forth between our, uh, our lead engineer here at Premium Edition Games, Josh, mm -hmm. and... Um, Chad Tronic, you know, I mean, that's, that's indicative of the process that we have with our developers. I mean, it is, it is minute. Uh, we'll talk, I mean, like, you know, he, he wasn't happy with just how, uh, like the fins on one of the, the plushies was just a little bit off and, and you know, uh, like it's that back and forth just to get it perfect. Um, yeah. You know, it's Chad Tronic's game. It's his. It's his passion. It's his. Like he's been working on this thing for five years, so it's really important that we get it right, and it's important for us that we get it right. Some of the best like honors we've had from Premium has been from like 
previous developers we've worked with, and they're like, like even today, today I was hit up, and they said, hey, this other company hit me up on my next game. However, I want to work with Premium. And that's pretty cool. Yeah. To me, that's pretty cool. It's like, hey, I want to work with you guys because you guys are cool. You've taken care of us and you make the best quality products. Like that to me is like, that's what I want to do. That's awesome. That happened today. <laughs> like there was. That's super, and, that's super flattering. And there's a I new mean, signed so contract today, like immediately signed contract based on other companies coming in and the other company isn't even like a, a limited run or whatever the big honchos like it was another company that came in and like no no we want to work with you and it's like flattering as hell i love it yeah that's awesome yeah so jeff a cool thing that uh, to, a cool man? thing oh sorry about that go ahead sorry. oh sorry a uh, cool thing i'll even tell you is uh, my wife just got a switch like the other day so if you want games to find a game to play and the first one she went to was Rain on a Parade. So, like, as soon as she saw it, she saw the cool little things in it. She immediately stole it from me, and now she's playing it uh, at night when we uh, go to sleep. So, it's she's she loves you guys' products. That's amazing. Yeah, Rain on Parade is, like, a little hidden gem for sure. Oh, yeah. Freaking love I, I love I love telling people about that game at conventions because, I mean, like, you're literally an asshole cloud just trying to ruin everyone's day. <laughs> Um, who doesn't want to play that game? Well, the interesting piece is, is that we carefully curate everything. So if it's not something that our team likes, we're probably not going to be publishing it physically. So, like, if we publish a game, like Ran Your Parade, and you don't know what it is, well, you should at least know it's probably going to be pretty damn cool at the end. Yeah. And that's the that's the interesting piece of what Premium does. That's what I kind of like. I kind of dig what we do. Because, like, yeah, it's wild. But, yeah, I like that you're, you're, uh, you said your wife got obsessed, though, Coffin? So, when we went to, so when we went to do the new setup down here, so oh, she, she was very passionate enough to, to hook me up with a, a new desk and uh, bringing my computer downstairs to my room. And uh, while she was there, you know, she's been playing a few Switch games online. She started playing uh, Toad, uh, Toad Tracker and a couple other games. Oh, and then uh, she basically, uh, on an impulse, she bought herself a, one of the pink Switch minis. And then as soon as she came home, she was just digging in my collection. My and so she saw that one, and she's like, what's this about? And so I showed it to her, and she, like, basically... It's, it's hers now. <laughs> she's about to go to do a conference, and then uh, she's taking it with her. So she's excited about it. <laughs> it's awesome. Yeah, it's like very interesting to see. And the thing is, is like we have a little something for everyone with what we do. Um, it's pretty cool. Um, Tristan, what were yeah. you saying earlier? I think you were asking. Oh, uh, no, I was just uh, you. You alluded to a little a little bit about um, you know why why you've been drinking tonight, but. Uh, uh, we, we were curious about your moving process, how that's moving along for you. Um, it's been a little bit um, chaotic, to say the least. Um, I We went on the military post yesterday to get the paperwork in alignment. Um, went over, it's called Sato Travel, in order to schedule our plane tickets. Yep. Um, yeah. So it'll be at the end of May, even though like my household goods will be packed up. Um, 
and the end of May is when our plane tickets are, are selected. However, we can't fly Hawaiian. We have to fly Alaskan Airlines. Because that's all that was available. Apparently, Alaskan yeah. Airlines awesome, and they may support my dogs because they get my dogs over there. They're already pre-screened and everything. Um, but we did get the plane tickets yesterday, officially done. Um, I have to go in in a couple days to do my actual clearing um, and that, the clearing paperwork, you know, because you have to clear an installation when you move. Um, so that'll be a thing. Um, this morning, though, was interesting because I was sitting there doing my elliptical workout because uh, I ran four miles yesterday. Today, I was doing an elliptical workout, and the guys showed up to look at our sprinklers at the house. Um, it's been raining a lot in Georgia over the last three years, so we've never used our sprinklers. And half of them are broken. It's craziness. And so they're, Ouch. like, shooting water all over the place. And one of them was, like, underneath my daughter's trampoline and, like, shot up to the trampoline. And, like, it was, like, hilariousness. Like, you couldn't, like, make it up. But um, essentially to fix our sprinkler system is going to cost more than just buying a whole new sprinkler system, um, which includes, like, wiring underneath, like, our, you know, like, the whole um, sidewalk over by the house and everything. Like, it's it's going to be an expensive endeavor. So that will be an incentive for the sale of the house for people. If they pay full price, they we will fix the sprinklers for them, stuff like that. So my wife has a whole plan for that. Um, but that's kind of how today went. Um, tomorrow they come to pack up the first of of the two major moves because this is a three move um, process. Like I, everything I don't want another company to touch, like my video game collectibles, are already in a storage unit. Um, then yeah. we have the military storage, and then we have the stuff we're taking to Hawaii. So the stuff that's going into military storage is tomorrow. So that's what I got going on. What do you guys got going on? Oh man, I had one thing, and I, I gotta, I gotta thank Coffin for this. So, um, I, I've been kind of obsessed with, you know, like baseball started. Obviously, I'm a baseball fan. I'm wearing a freaking Tiny premium head. edition baseball jersey here, but uh, uh, I collect this this baseball card set called Allen and Ginter, and it's got like really weird cards. I mean, it's not just baseball players. You might. Uh, pull celebrities like Charlie Sheen or freaking Danny Glover huh. or, uh, you know, it's just weird stuff. Well, back in 2008, and I didn't know about this until Coffin was like looking on eBay, our friend Billy Mitchell had a baseball card. No. Billy Mitchell. The not only that. The billiest of Mitchells. Not only that, you can pull his signature. Even better than pulling his signature, though is pulling a piece of Billy Mitchell's tie. What the hell? A piece of his tie what embedded in the card. 2008. Where what what set is that from? Uh Allen and Ginter. It's a Tops set called Allen and Ginter. The hell? So I have a piece so of So I was making a Billy joke. Mitchell's tie. Yeah, you were making a joke yeah. because that shit's crazy. So what happened was we I was making a joke with him about Billy Mitchell's tie. We've been joking about this for years about how we're going to get Billy Mitchell's tie for him, get him a signature so he can have it. Well, yeah. And I was just I just literally typed in Billy Mitchell. Ironically, 
And so I was joking on eBay. I wrote Billy Mitchell's tie in the thing, and I, I he's been showing me these cards for like the, the past couple weeks. And I was like, oh my god! I was like, you're about to buy something right now. And he was like, what? And I so I pulled it and showed it to him, and it was like it's Billy Mitchell's tie. And they're like, they also have the signature too. <laughs> And someone actually like PSA'd it, like like put it in the hard plastic and everything like that, like like hilarious stuff. And then we saw the tie, and I was like, "You have to buy that." <laughs> yeah, there's there's no reason not to buy that at that point. Like, <laughs> that's <know>. crazy. <laughs> Does it come with a lock of his hair? That's the question. Like that, you know, sweet. you joke about that, but that's actually some of the things that you can pull. Like, dude, there's a on eBay right now. You can get a a uh, a piece of Eisenhower's hair, no joke. Like it, it's some That's crazy insane. stuff. Like it's it's a crazy set. Well, the thing is, is two thousand eight's before whatever transpired transpired with his, you know, Holton Galaxies controversies. Yeah, yeah, uh huh. Yeah, it was it was around the time of King of Kong, and that's the, that's why I'm pretty sure he he had a card because actually two thousand nine Steve Weeby has a card as well. <laughs> That's so funny. Um, speaking of cards, are you tracking that Frank Wood of Premium Edition Games, who does our marketing, is getting a Walter Day card? I did, dude. What an really? honor. That's freaking awesome. That is the Super first official card that mentions Premium Edition Games on it. Oh, very cool. Because I've awesome. gotten cards since 2014. I think I've gotten three cards from Walter Day. And Dang. obviously, none of them have premium because we didn't exist. So, like, I got an OG card from, like, you know, nine years ago or whatever. Um, but, like, it's super cool that Frank is the first one to get a premium card. Now, mm -hmm. we got to get a vi some video game bullshit cards going. <laughs> yes. Um, speaking of that, I sent a message in our, because we have a little chat group that goes on. Um, I did mention, um, I contacted Sarumaru, DJ Medina. He is in Japan mm -hmm. right now traveling. He did a live stream where they were doing Gashapon in Japan. Um, however, when he gets back, he's going to talk about getting the caricatures for video game bullshit for the three of us. Um. That would be awesome. Now you were asking about some caricatures, but... I figured it would be appropriate because he did a caricature of Kyle and I back in the day. Now it would be appropriate to do video game bullshit for the, the new. And Saru had roomed with Kyle and I back in the day. In oh, that's cool. Gaming classic, so he knows Kyle awesome. very well. Now, he did not yeah. know, by the way, when I when I chatted with him today. So yeah. We had to have some chats. Um, but we will be talking about getting some caricatures for a future you know, set or something. And we could have maybe yes. have our little characters up on the, the the chat or something. Have a little pictures of us doing funny things. <laughs> Never know. You gotta have awesome. a baseball jersey, Tristan. And the oh, for sure. Yeah. Coffin has to be. He's, he's not in Miami anymore, Coffin, but like he needs to have some. <laughs> now he's just in a game room. Oh. <laughs> yes. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you were in the freaking. Miami Vice, uh, He's in Miami. <laughs> like background or whatever. Yeah, that's right. My, my, yeah, my, 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 yeah, this is, uh, this is my, uh, my video game room. This is not even like a piece of it. This is like one side. It goes like in an L shape. So it goes all around. So over here is like a movie room. And all the way down here is another TV and a play choice back there. <laughs> okay. And yeah, and then a couple other things. But this is, uh, this is my spot. I wanted to, 
so at my other house, I had only 1,200 square feet, and they and Amari used to laugh because I used to have to stack all my my uh, CIB uh, consoles on a wall, and if you touched mm-hmm. the wall in any shape, form, or way, it would just fall. Dude, so and he had he had this like one uh, bookshelf that was like on its last legs. Um, <laughs> it was death. I got a few of those oh. in the house right now that are not moving. <laughs> I got so I we we just like a touch right now and it'll just fall apart. Oh no! So I have a a, a nice father-in-law and uh, he he was like, "What do you want to do with this?" Because we just got a new house. He's, I said, "I want to shelve the entire uh, downstairs." And so for like three months straight, we were just down here shelving these entire walls. So now it's like two hundred six two thousand six hundred square feet of video game, movies, and pop culture stuff all over the place. <laughs> That's the dream right there. That's amazing. Yeah. It looks cool as hell, though. You want, you want to see something really cool? Always. Alexa, turn my lights blue. See if she'll do it. See if she does it. Oh, there we go. You got a blue room now. <laughs> turn it purple like last week. Purple. Alexa, all lights purple. <laughs> this is now he's back to uh, Miami Vice Coffin. There you go. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> so like, yeah, everything down here is voice activated, so you can like literally turn on a TV through your voice. Uh, like, I have a light gun uh, station back there I made, and it will turn on the the old CRT TVs too. And uh, you just need a little smart plug, and they'll do all this crazy work for you. That is insane. Freaking craziness. Gotta love it though. It's awesome. Yeah, yeah like I'm I'm in a transient house because I'm moving, but. Once I get to the final place, I think we're gonna have a pretty, pretty dope setup. I mean, it's gonna be up to my wife to to set up however she would like, but you know, it'll be up to her. Yeah. Um. Anything. A bar. A bar with that. Bar? <laughs> what you got going on, Tristan? Um. You know the the narcolepsy saga continues. <laughs> the narcolepsy um, saga. <laughs> yeah, I I only dozed off about two dozen times today at work. Um. You know, <laughs> only, um, <laughs> but uh, no, nothing crazy. Yeah, I'm just uh, just enjoying, um, you know, working on premium edition stuff right now. I'm working on an article for Old School Gamer. I'm uh, doing some advertisements for the magazines that we um, advertise in. And yeah, you probably saw what I posted last night. That's it's going to be part of the uh, the advert that I'm I'm doing right now. But uh, nah, man, uh, nothing really significant with me. What about you, Coffin? It's new. Well, first off, uh, we should we should also tell them about your your cool epic find you had at that toy convention that we saw oh, on Saturday. Yeah. Well, yeah, I'm not gonna bring it in here, but uh, again, Coffin with the assist, like he he oh, uh, we we stumbled onto this like toy fair. We went to uh, you know video game hunting uh, this past Saturday. And then we went to this place called Pop Culture that has, like, toys and video games. And then they clued us in about this, uh, like, toy show that was going on, like, not far from uh, our video game spot. So we're like, hey, you know, might as well just hit it up. So we went there. (coughs) Tons of toys from all sorts of eras. Had uh, a few video game-related things here and there. But um, he, like, uh, told me about some... <clears throat> some vintage uh, Mario plush that I already had or else I would have picked it up. 
but like sitting right on the the same desk as or uh, table as the Mario plush was a uh, um, Legend of Zelda Ocarina of Time 3DS standee, like a freaking you know three four foot standee um, in perfect condition. And uh, you know, I'm like, hey, is is that for sale? He's like, yep. <laughs> he said, yep. Two hundred fifty. Like sold. Like so. That's in my basement. My, my my wife shot me a look whenever I brought it in. But <laughs> <laughs> what the hell you know, are you doing, Tristan? <laughs> yeah, no, it's it's an awesome piece. I I love display pieces. Like you know, it's bad when the wife calls yeah. you a bara. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You come in, she's like a bara. What are you doing? <laughs> yeah, no. that's funny. Yeah, it's cool though. Um, yeah, like getting those kind of finds. Um, you mentioned a Mario plush. Have you ever seen the original Donkey Kong plushes, the really old looking ones, like the ones? I've, I've, I've got three of them up here, um, so, all three sizes. So those were given away at like fairs back in the day. Um, interestingly enough, there is a Mario version where he has the little Snidely Whiplash mustache. Um, however. I don't think it's from Mario, but I think it's from where Nintendo pulled inspiration for Jumpman from. And it's mm. a cleaning company out of New York that I found out about a long, long, long time ago. Um, where they may have pulled inspiration from Mario. Um, and it was their mascot from back before Nintendo did Mario. Like, there's some crazy stuff, and it goes beyond before those... those um. Donkey Kong plushies, but the plushie wow. is like it's like a year earlier. Um, very interesting, and it looks like the Jumpman from the Mario movie, from the um, the character that's playing that that Charles Martinet voiced. Crazy tidbits, man. I've I got some awesome. crazy controversies with uh with Mario. It's great. Yeah. Yep. And so like the uh. And then also, he uh, Abara uh, worked into we we have a joke we have like a NATO trade you know uh, agreement with each other, and uh, he was uh, downsizing some of his games, so he hooked me up with uh, Waterworld for the Virtual Boy, and it was one of the last ones I needed for it. Uh, I'm a big huge Virtual Boy collector. Uh, when I was young, I was really poor. And I was actually on a Christmas Angels uh, with my mom. My mom put me on there, and I just wanted clothes. And they said, well, you have to ask for, like, a present. And then like, I'm like, well, I don't feel like I should be doing that, you know. So I threw on the one thing I thought no one would ever buy. So I put a Virtual Boy on there, not thinking anything of it. But at the time, that's when they were clearing out all the Virtual Boy stuff. And she bought me, like, a, f a full set of the games and the actual Virtual Boy for me for Christmas, which, like, kind of blew my mind. And, like, me and my wife, we do uh, Christmas Angels now based on that because this lady was so sweet and got me all these games. And then, uh, so I pass it back on with me and my kids now. We, we actually, uh, you know, adopt a family and, and do things for them for Christmas. So I thought that was just really cool that, uh, you know, it's a very expensive game. And, and, and for him to, to let me have it uh, is, uh, is just so freaking cool. And I appreciate it, Abara. I just want to let you know that. No worries, man. Glad to see your collection. Oh, that's that's 100% an awesome story and like giving back to the community that is the very admirable. I remember though 
back in the day, like, I got my Virtual Boy, like, my mom never would buy me games or systems or anything. And all of a sudden, one day, I got, like, a Virtual Boy with, like, Tetheril Boxer and Wario World. And I'm like, yeah. what the hell? And it, it cost, like, 35 bucks because their games were 5 bucks a piece and the system was 25 and I Yeah, man. I didn't even know. But I still have my boxed Virtual Boy with the 25 sticker. And so it's like it's crossed off with red ink and written with twenty four ninety five on the sticker. And I still have <laughs> awesome. KB Toys. Um, yeah, I, I, dude, I got mine from KB too, but mine was like 40 bucks. Oh, no, no. They waited so, my mom waited till it was bare bones. That's like, awesome. Yeah, I still have mine. Never got a Waterworld, but I never also went for a full collection because not my yeah, style. I, Totally. Have you seen the prices right now? The prices are insane right now. Yeah, insane. I, I remember those games being on clearance for twelve dollars a piece. Every game, twelve bucks. Yep. Crazy. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so, like, I've since like written the book on the Virtual Boy and did all the things, and even covered the aftermarket, which Hyper Fighting is the game you want. Mm-hmm. Um, <laughs> if you don't have Hyper, I want that so bad. <laughs> That's that's the one aftermarket out of any aftermarket because they literally hired a guy to program the game like it's it's actual Street Fighter. It's so good. It's so um, that is the so one aftermarket game to get for the Virtual Boy. Uh, there's a lot of other ones that are super freaking cool, but that one's like like that's Street Fighter on the Virtual Boy. Mm-hmm. That's what it would have been like. Um, and it's two player if you have a link cable. And it's two player with a link cable, so you can play with me on mine or Tristan with his. Um, <laughs> we just sit there and link it overseas. Um, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but like it's super cool though doing the whole like sponsoring a family like that's that's. We try to give back as much as possible. Like last year, we uh, we had a family and uh, we got all the kids. Uh, they got bikes. And uh, that's that's what they wanted. And what was so funny was was that it was like in the middle of winter here, and we were like, "Well, maybe you should just wait for this for spring." But they the kids were so excited they didn't care. They just got on the bikes and just took off, <laughs> and uh, they were so happy. And that's that's the good part of it that I enjoy, and then also helping the parents out as well. You know, getting their you know children clothing and anything they need. Uh, and it's it's an honorable thing, and my my wife uh, always finds a family for all of us, and we we do it every year, and I love doing it. I love just giving back because when I when I was young, I I didn't I was really poor, so like to have someone to do something like that, especially Virtual Boy, that's pretty insane to me. That's awesome, yeah. And the fact is, is like that, that's your nostalgia. It actually leads into what the main topic of the episode is, but should we cover news first or should we go into the main topic? We can cover news after the main topic. It's up to you. Um, I was going to say it's been kind of a light news week as far as like uh, video games are concerned. I mean, like really? the, the biggest piece of news is that uh, Discord, which is uh, typically used for uh, gamers, I mean, you know, uh, usually, um, uh, was in the news <laughs> For a, for a pretty bad reason, and it uh, it affects um, my job actually directly um, yeah, in the yeah. uh, intelligence community. There was mm-hmm. that giant leak that was on Discord. I didn't see any of that. What? Oh my god! Yeah, it's pretty, pretty crazy. Yeah. Pretty crazy. Um, that uh, Air National Guard um, kid, like some twenty-one year old A one C, 
uh, Airman First Class, like uh, he'd been uploading um, the uh, the chairman's brief, the uh, top secret SCI chairman's brief to Discord. <laughs> Why show would he all do that? Friends. Why would he do that? That's so dumb. That's like in violation of everything you sign when you go to those briefings. Yeah. Hmm. Insane. That's fun. That's fun. So there's there's a major thing that did happen this week. I mean, Nintendo did a damn direct. Zelda. Yep. Tears of the Kingdom. They had the final trailer. Like they showed up a bunch of characters. Wow, dude, I that completely like was <laughs> off my radar. Like they they showed, they showed a lot of Ganon on there too. The the art for Ganon looks awesome. They showed Uber. Oh, we call him Uber Ganon. Uber Ganon. They showed a bunch of stuff, and it's basically taking place. After Breath of the Wild, because they showed a little bit more mature versions of some of the support characters as you would go for the beast, the divine beast. So you'd be helped, mm-hmm. like when you went to the sand area, you're helped by the, like the young girl who was taking over the kingdom. She's a little older now, and she's helping you out. And apparently, like you may be assisted by these characters in battle or something, or it's just part of the story and you're still on your own, like normal. Uh, probably the latter. Um, they did show off some more of the fusion. They showed Link with like a sword with a shield on it and stuff, but okay. less of an emphasis on it, which means they probably had some backlash on the fusion sections from the, the last little live stream that they did. Um, mm. and then also tomorrow, cause we are recording on a Tuesday tomorrow on Wednesday, they're doing an indie direct for Nintendo. So that's like two directs Ooh, in two okay. weeks. That's so, freaking awesome. Like, Everything goes well. One of our premium games will be shown off at the Indie Direct. That'd be cool. Um, yeah, and rightfully so. But yeah, that Zelda Direct though. The game looks great. Can't wait for it to come out. That's it. Just built my hype for the game even more so. So you got to watch that, Tristan. Yeah, I will. Well, now that I know about it, <laughs> <laughs> you're too busy watching Discord scams and and people. Yeah, that. we've been we've been a little busy at work because of that nonsense yeah um there's also, some changes coming Discord. down for us and our our access to that that sort of information which is a little sad but um yep. i understand why and what were you saying coffin big of discord the same thing happened for nintendo as too because they got a so the rumor i heard was nintendo basically got a gamestop person fired and basically what it was, was they showed a a clip of a pre-order for a Nintendo Switch. It didn't have any information on it, but he basically was like, I assume it might be Zelda, so I want to tell everybody on Discord. And I guess behind closed doors, uh, Nintendo went, went to the store and talked to the, the leadership there and basically uh, got the guy fired. Uh, from that GameStop, and he mm-hmm. was like, I didn't really leak anything. Mm-hmm. All he showed was, like, basically, you know, like, a default thing for, like, Amazon where it does, like, December of, you know, 2023, like, yeah, at the end of the like year, but it didn't have no name. It didn't say Zelda or nothing. But what's interesting about this is there's a guy, uh, a YouTuber named Wood Hawker, and he's actually shown the entire Switch case and everything. Yeah. And they went after this guy that didn't show anything. He just said, "Hey, you might want. It might be a because he said, you know, with the Pokemon uh, switches and things like that, they, a lot of people can't get them because the pre-orders get picked up really quickly. So he was just kind of giving a warning to people, like, "Hey, you might this might be Zelda. I don't know." And he was actually right, and he got fired for it. <laughs> 
That's insane. So, so Wood Hawker did have a legitimate one. It wasn't like a. That's what I heard. I heard it's. I heard it was legitimate. I don't think you could fake that box the way it looked. It looked like the ones that they had on pre-order, and mm-hmm. don't know where he got it from. But I'm. I. I've heard. I've heard so many rumors about Nintendo Ninjas showing up to people's houses and like seeing them like lawsuits or taking things. And I hope it doesn't happen to him. But you know, it's kind of crazy that uh, he kind of fell on the radar with that. That's really funny. No, it's 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 interesting to see all the lockdown. Um, I saw the controversy too with the um, strategy guide being leaked for yep. Tears of the Kingdom. Oh and yeah, yeah. Photo yeah. shown and those people being kind of cease and desisted. It's easier just to you know conceptualize and talk about stuff versus sharing things. That way we just bullshit about things. Nobody mm-hmm. can yell at us for. Um, talking our opinion versus showing off things um it's it's interesting with the wood hawker situation too because i don't think he's a nintendo rep he's not a nintendo like affiliate anymore so interesting that he has something if it's just a custom thing that would be hilarious if he played a joke on everyone later he's like i got all you guys but if i if i was him i would put that thing out real quick because Nintendo's notorious for making examples out of people and you don't want to be sued by them like I, it's it's pretty funny they just won uh they just won another one and they literally the guy has to give up 30% of his his money for the rest of his life based on uh pirating some of their games. Oh yeah, that was that Bowser kid. Yeah. yeah. I mean Which is ironic his name's Bowser. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> That's just craziness. I mean, you might as well if you're going to on the up and up just don't do anything nefarious if you want to try to make money doing youtube like yeah it's it's wild yeah because nintendo is historically litigious everyone knows that exactly yeah it's that's nuts dude yeah i mean outside of that though is right i don't think there's anything else in the news right now i don't think yeah, like I said, it, I mean, it was kind of a, usually the news finds me, but uh, this time I didn't like go on, you know, the normal sites like Kotaku or whatever, no. like I usually do, so. It's more interesting um, to follow it along, I mean. So, we can transition to the main topic of the episode. Um, it's kind of what we have up on the channel here, the streaming, what is more important for video game history? Right? So, the perfect example is, is it more important to have the first release of a game or having the most interesting release? And where where I put this into context is, let's talk like Super Mario Brothers, for example, right? Is it more important to have that interesting cib box that you grew up with or the sticker seal mario that's worth like a million dollars or whatever the heck is worth graded um at one portion if you got it from you know water graded on heritage auctions and sold it or is it more interesting having super mario brothers and the famicom which is technically the very first release of it so you have the very first time that was ever playable for the history of video games I think I know what all three of us would answer with, but let's see. Let's see. Let's start with Tristan since he showed off a box. Um, so, mm-hmm. where I think we, det- we, we may detract, um, uh, well, well, 
where collectors might diverge is, um, yeah, so obviously the first ever release of Super Mario Brothers was not the one that we got in the United States. True. Um, it was the Japanese copy. However, uh, that's not what we grew up with. That's not the one that, that hits all the feels for us and the, the nostalgia. Um, so that's why I think it just depends on where you grew up and what you grew up with. Um, so for me, I really do think that it's more important to have, and I think that the Japanese first release copies have more of a right to be, um, expensive, the most expensive versions of the game. However, I understand why our versions are, and that's because it's, that's what everyone grew up with. That's what everyone's familiar with. Yeah, yeah, true, very, very true. Um, and the other thing is, you know, we may come off as ugly Americans when it comes to the other cultures that are out there listening to the podcast or whatever. However, um, it seems to all revolve around U.S. releases. Um, we have a team yeah. member on Premium, um, Barry, and he collects for the Switch. But when he collects for the Switch, it's ESRB first then pal then other regions yeah. i argue and say that the nintendo switch is region free and you can play anything so it doesn't matter what region it is but yeah. the ugly american version is oh well us is best is it though that's the question it's really what is it because we're nostalgic for it because that's our native region and it was region locked on the nes so now we just stick with that for the rest of our lives or and this is the perfect example for Switch. With Ease 8, it was out of print at the time, and I didn't want to pay $200 to get my copy of Ease 8. Yeah. And on the Nintendo Switch version, I ended up getting the PAL version for, like, MSRP version. I think it was, like, 50 bucks, 60 bucks, whatever. Um, and I got my copy so I could play it, and I didn't overpay. They've since reprinted it, so, like, I think the prices have leveled. However, um... I didn't care because the Switch is region-free. The game still plays on my U.S. Switch. I can still play it here on my kiosk, whatever, um, and enjoy it the exact same way. Um, Japanese games on the Switch unlock, and you can play it in English. So it's there's still, like, not every game has that, but a majority do. So, like, is there a reason to even worry about that? Is that the ugly American in us? However, Super Mario Brothers was not like that. So there is the conundrum. Coffin, what are your thoughts? I think honestly, and and just speaking as a collector, uh, where did people find out about it? How did people find out about first releases and those things like that? It's it's a very interesting topic to me because like I lived on the East Coast. So my mom actually <laughs> on a New York trip went up to uh, New York and they Nintendo was actually selling stuff in the malls there and she actually picked up like she was a big donkey kong fan if you think about influential games before mario donkey kong was everything in the arcades sure. it, the popularity and those things like that Unchained so my mom based on games, yeah. yep based on that uh bought mario based on oh it's like donkey kong 
And so even uh, in New York, like you know how you were talking about the stickers tabs, the they basically they were handed so. There was a chip shortage back then, so they couldn't make – they didn't have enough chips to make it. So basically there was no option of you not getting a Japanese, like, little you know, little adapter that goes inside of them. Oh, yeah. So technically uh, it wasn't because we couldn't get our own games. This is because at the current time they couldn't get enough chips to make games, so they just kind of worked and made a workaround around it to make it work. Also, think about the theory of it, too. Atari was uh, going down, and they didn't even make it like a video game system for Mario. They said it was an entertainment system. You got to rob because they thought, okay, we throw out some toys there. This will get the, the parents to buy them because they're, they'll seem like a kid's toy more than anything. And it's an NES is similar to a VCR, the way you put it in there and yeah. put tapes like that. So yeah. their goal was not only that, just to make it to where you could they could get into your household. And try to get you try to get as much profit as they could based on that. Yeah. So really, right, like it's right. not nostalgia. It's basically it's basically a theory of them trying to get it into the homes instead of the other way around. Yeah, Atari had so much to do with the the final design of the uh, the NES because uh, Nintendo was smart and didn't want people to have that association with with that failure. So like. <laughs> Another example that I have, non-Nintendo, um, have you ever played the game Zork? Yes. Uh, I know of it. I've never played it. So it's a text-based role-playing game, adventure game. Mm-hmm. Um, I originally played it on the Commodore 64. Um, my nostalgia is playing on the Commodore 64. However, Commodore 64 had a huge issue with bootlegging. People would mm. trade discs all over the world. Um, I don't even know how that's possible because that's before the internet. So I have no clue how my brother was able to get all these bootlegged games. I had some, but wow. I had Zork and Return to Zork and some of the games on the Commodore 64. However, the most, the very first version of Zork was not on a Commodore or on a personal computer, but it was on this giant system where as a class, you would have to go on a field trip to go visit this computer system in order to play some Zork or play some Oregon Trail or something like that. Um, so the, the question is, is, is the most accessible version as well, does that have something to play into it where, like, okay, I played the Oregon Trail when I was in class on an Apple IIa computer, the green screen, and that's how I played it. My oxen died, my axle broke, and all that crap. Is that the most nostalgic version? Or does that plug-and-play version that I got recently, where I can still play it, does that meet the intent, too? And is that cool enough versus having to get an Apple to a computer with the original screen, the original resolution, and having to get the damn disc that may not be, may or may not be demagnetized and actually work. Like, or is that plug and play good enough? Because I can play that plug and play and enjoy the Oregon Trail. Yeah, I think it's both ways though. Because the fact is, is that, like, look at us right now. Like, like a bar we bought an analog, right? And we're like, well, we want the best quality, oh, you know, Game too. Boy there is. But then we still play our old Game Boy Advance stuff, too. So, like, you, you still have that nostalgia while at the same time you try to improve what you can, you can play to make it better. Well, the, the question is, though, is after you get that perfect FPGA, fully programmable array, 
Game Boy and Game Boy Advance and Game Boy Color and everything, do you go back and play your original Game Boy or do you just transition to the better edition? Better. I'm using quotation fingers. Like, that's the question because now you have the perfect machine. You have a portable machine. There's a dock for it. You can play it in HDMI on your television. You have the analog pocket. You, it plays cartridges. You don't even have to bootleg it. You can bootleg it and play ROMs, but you don't have to. You can play your original cartridges. Is there a reason to play your original Game Boy Advance anymore? So, personally, <laughs> um, yeah, I I have such a hard time going back uh, to, to old technologies. I mean, you know, don't get me wrong. Like, dude... Um, the uh, my memories of, of playing you know uh, Link's Awakening in the back of my parents' van, Same. trying to get the light just right, like you know hitting street lights. <laughs> yes, it's that, that, that's like half an hour doing the lean. We're like, me, I gotta man. see it. <laughs> but as soon as I found out that uh, that the Japanese got the Game Boy Light with the Indiglo backlight, um, and I, I bought one of those, like, on eBay. Like, it was over, man. I wasn't going back to the old, old, you know, like, uh, Game Boy with a front light, you know, like, attachments and the freaking Frankenstein thing that you had to, like, put together. All those accessories. Oh, I had um, the front little screen that came over it, so you could... Yeah, 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 yeah. A magnifier and everything. Yep. But um, no, as as uh, technology has advanced and um, and graphics have have gone up and screens have become clearer and and refresh rates are are better and no, I I, I can't go back. I can't go back. Um, and and that's I was actually just talking to Coffin about this. Like, I want to go back and play Cro- Project Cross Zone. Yeah, on the DS. I love those games. They're so good. But um. You know, now that I've I've been playing the the Switch and like all these superior screens, going back to the 3DS, it's just like, ugh. <laughs> Dude, that's a so there is one exception for me when it comes to retro. Um, I have an FPGA like for my NES. I have you know one of those uh, AV. What is what is the AVSs from the AVS? Yep. I have one. Yeah, yeah. I never played the damn thing because great. I have a sharp NES TV. Yeah. Okay. I play my sharp cool. NES television. It's perfect. It's one to one. It's exactly like I remembered as a kid. Um, it's a decent sized screen, but it plays it perfectly. Um, that's when you see that a lot of new aftermarket programmers are programming with an AVS or emulator in mind. Because there'll be certain stuff that's cut off on an actual NES that I can't play the mm. same games. And, but I do play that religiously. That's going to be the hardest thing that's in storage while I'm in Hawaii that I'm going to miss is my Sharp NES TV. Because I, play that, I, I would play that daily. So it's sitting right yeah. here to my right, um, right next to my chair. I would sit there and just be able to turn and play Nintendo. That's the major only exception. Everything else... I play with like modern amenities. Even my Sega Nomad and Turbo Express are modded with an LED screen, so I yeah, can yeah. play them with a better screen. Um, and I use the EverDrives and things. Um, my NES, I never used the EverDrive. I never had an NES EverDrive. I had a Famicom EverDrive for the AVS, 
but I never used it. I always used actual cartridges. So that like NES has been my major exception to the to the mold. Um, I do like a Vetrix using it traditionally on a Vetrix versus emulation. Um, yeah, I don't know for if sure. You've tried the emulation on a Vetrix. It's cool. No, it, it wouldn't feel the same with it's you cool, know vector graphics or something but that you can't. Yeah, it's just not emulate. the same as playing it on an actual Vetrex. Um, yeah. Now I've used the multi carts that Sean Kelly has made, and and they're pretty damn cool. Um, mm-hmm. But I like to do it on actual Vetrex versus emulation. Um, what about you, Coffin? So I got a good example that uh, you probably haven't seen yet, but I got I actually got the full console for the Polymega. And so I have all the the attachments and things like that. And what's cool about it is is that like you can actually burn your collection onto it. So you can basically you can get an SSD card, you can throw your games on there, download them, and you can play them on there. And they do them uh, with like pixel perfect. Uh, and they even have like all kinds of different videos and different qualities you can do. And uh, they even do improvements on it. Like, for example, like Neo Geo CD, you know, those insane loading times. They're like gone on the system. The same thing with Saturn and any other disc-based games That's on there. Amazing. So it's 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 super fun to play on. And like, and for me, it's like a game changer because my main TV here, that's what I have on there is my Polymega. And uh, it's, it's, why, it's as, as bad as it's been going for them for like the shipment issues and all kinds of craziness, they are game changing for sure. And they're also coming out with a database that you could actually play the Polymega on your computer soon. And you can actually burn, as long as you got a CD burner, you can actually burn your games onto it as well. So there's definitely going to be a game changer in the future for, you know, for like scenarios like you, you know, where you don't have the opportunity to play your games on the original stuff that you have. Would you um, say for those interested in thinking about a Polymega, it's it's more important if you have a collection of games versus Correct. like you're starting a collection. Like you wouldn't want to For start sure. a collection in this type of, you know, scenario where games are so expensive, like I'm actually what's, what's what's the hardest thing you could do for collecting? Say like for example, Mortal Kombat. How many different consoles do you have in Mortal Kombat, right? On Polymega, you could put every single version of, of that Mortal Kombat together as one piece, and you could play any one you want on, on the on the actual console. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and, I'm, um, I'm saying those, because the Polymega promotes itself to playing the original media disc or cartridge um, yep. on that system. So, like, you would want to have a vast collection to make maximum use of that system for sure um and and, you know in in that same light like um i'm in a weird place in my collection where like uh you know you mentioned all these like uh, ever drives and stuff like that well i've got a turbo ever drive i've got um uh the uh, terra onion uh one for my uh neo geo mvs d3 or whatever yeah 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 All, all that good stuff but um so, uh, you know, and, and then we talked about earlier how I got rid of my Virtual Boy collection just just uh, this past weekend. Like, I had every single game, including Jack Brothers, just got rid of them. But it's because I have a Hyper Flash 32. <coughs> I can still play all the games that I remember or whatever um, and, and on the original hardware just mm-hmm. using a, uh, a Flash emulation cart, which I'm okay with. Um 
you know, like uh, I'd, I'd rather have new windows than a, a collection of uh, Virtual Boy games sitting there. You know what I mean? And my priorities just changed as an adult. But what, what's cool about the Polymega and, and about having someone, you know, local to me with the Polymega is that the TurboGrafx-16 collection that I just uh, offloaded as well. I had like 64 games. Yeah. Well, I, I made sure to uh, let Coffin borrow him so that he could put him on his Polymega first. So uh -huh. my collection lives on. <laughs> and, and so that's an interesting piece. Um, the other piece is, is do you curate later? So say, like, Coffin moves his Polymega, you want to build your own thing. Do you, like, take your original nostalgic games and put that on the next major emulation machine that you want to play your stuff on? So that's kind of how I find myself doing now is that I'm mm. not going to take a Turbo Everdrive and put every Turbo game on there. I'm going to put my favorites. Maybe I'll have like folders that have everything in it just in case. Yeah. But like I'm going to have a curated folder that has like all the stuff I own in it. Um, I think I think the perfect example of that is um, like, you know, and he's got one in the background. I've got one in my game room. The Play Choice 10. You could have every single game on that Play Choice 10, but there's 10 slots in that thing. Like, I I just want my favorite 10 NES games, Correct. you know, that were on the Play Choice 10 in Heck, there. That so could be a future collection. episode, man. Like, what are your what is your Mount Rushmore? What are your top? Yeah, 10? yeah, yeah. What's your top yep. 10? Like, like that's a good one because like the Play Choice 10 does have you make some things and I can go over like I need to figure out what's in my play toys thing because I don't even know right now. One of them is an NES cartridge slot though. And yeah. in the yep. play choice 10 though, you can't put an EverDrive. You have to do a what is the other one? The retro USB power pack. Because it takes yeah, less power pack. Yep. It yep. takes yep. less power. I tried putting my EverDrive in the Play Choice 10 <clears> and it fried the power supply and I had to replace it. By the Ouch. way, um, that was a pain. I, I learned how to replace a power supply with that mistake. Um, but I actually end up putting homebrew in there now. And I, I think Kevin Power in Too Many Games has been in mine forever. Because my daughter played that when she was like three or four. Yeah. And she loved that thing. Um, but there are so many good games on the play choice. You, you really have to like sit down and think like, oh, man, what are my top ten? You know, I do like having tough. to make those choices sometimes. Um, it's also the same thing because I have I have a collection shelf over here that will be in my final place. But making a rental wall and not having everything spine out, but having it face out, and then you have a finite amount of space. What games do you choose to put your most nostalgic ones on your collection? That is an interesting topic. I think that's an interesting future episode. But I do see we had a commenter come in and talk a little alternate of our perspective, um, where is SS Laker, um, and I'm going to mispronounce every name that anybody ever comments. Laker. But, I think um, that's yeah, that's Kyle, if I'm remembering correctly. Yeah, yeah I think it was Kyle. Um, um, struggles to play anything retro with any modern amenities. Um, half the fun is hooking up the old systems and using the original controllers. Um, I 100% agree. If you yeah. cannot emulate, number one, the controllers, but number two, the timing. 
So, like, my major thing is, if I play yeah. a game and I'm playing NES and I can't play Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, that's going to be a deal-breaker for me because I have um, Slacker. He's a hero is his name. Um, but I have world records on Mike Tyson's Punch-Out, so I have it down to my new, like, milliseconds. So if I can't play yeah. that game, um, and it does come down to the controller a lot, um, the D-pad is not the same on any emulated console. Um, I feel like it's 8-bit dough has probably the best D-pads that have come out in years. Um, so those ones are, are by far my favorite ones. They're as close to Nintendo as possible. Um, they're good enough for sure for me. Um, Ooh, however, Jeff. however, I do have... Another thing that's happened to me as I've gotten older. I, playing platformers on modern games, I don't use a D-pad anymore, man. I use the analog stick. It's really weird. I always thought I'd be a D-pad person, but I use, so when I played Dead Cells, when we played it for Bullshit Homework, 99.9% of the time, I was using the damn analog stick. So... D-pad has not been as big of a deal for me recently in the last two, three years. Jeff, I was just thinking, uh, you know, uh, you're you're that good at punch out, dude. Have you ever tried punch out with the goofy foot controller? Yeah, I oh, said uh, I think fun. at a convention, um, we were doing some kind of records with goofy foot, and I was able to set a record on at <laughs> Game On Expo like five years ago with Steve DeLuca um, with the goofy yeah. foot. Oh yeah, like I've I've definitely played the goofy foot with it. Um, but I don't ever record records or anything. I don't really I just had fun playing a lot of stuff. It was it was also like where I would see my old Nintendo sixty four wave racing Mario Kart sixty four records and they would like be the world record or faster than the world record and they were just my saves from what I used to play. Um because mm-hmm. I used to just play like and have fun and we played forever on one game over and over and over again um it was actually a classic kyle quote from video game bullshit um where he said and it's it's another thing for um it's a bruce lee quote but it's like if you do anything like over ten thousand times you're going to become the master of it yeah yeah, yeah. i would do that with video games like i would play it ten tens of thousands of times and i would completely like edge out every single time every single everything so that's how like i set the or i matched the glass jail record because glass jail can only go so fast and i've matched that yeah yeah um gabby J, I was able to match the world record i did that one live with twin galaxies back in the day um but like i do that shit for fun man and the thing is is like the d-pads to me is is kind of where it was always the delimiter because they can never match it with a third party. But Eight Bitto does great. I I like Eight Bitto. Um, I do see that Slacker does say he draws the limit with the non backlit handhelds. Um, agreed. Um, the other piece for you guys though, question for you guys. I've seen um back. You know we've seen so many years, so many times with emulation. They want pixel perfect emulation but in the last one to two years you've seen a resurgence of scan line purists where they want the scan lines to look like televisions what are your thoughts on all of that because i have my own thoughts but what are your thoughts on that 
Um, I, I think if you want to be a scanline purist, you need to go and get yourself a PVM or a BVM. Um, yeah. that's just me. Uh, I don't think it feels very natural on a, an LCD. I, I get it. It's, it's, uh, to try and emulate that nostalgia, but I mean, dude, you're playing a game on an LCD screen, um, or an OLED or whatever. Um, uh, at that point, if, if scanlines mean that much to you, then then go out and get a PVM or a BVM and and get some some really nice scan lines and it doesn't have to be a PVM or a BVM I mean do they they have some affordable C, CRTs that um that look pretty good too um so yeah that's that's just me dude if if you want to play like it's a CRT get a CRT it's not it's not out of the realm of of possibilities it's not out of, out of reach. What about modern games that add a CRT filter to their game to emulate like it's an old school game? We even at Premium have a game, mm. it's Pigeon Dead mm -hmm. Games Collection, where they yeah. do this CRT filter on Game Boy, which didn't even have a CRT. But like it has yeah. a Game Boy CRT filter. Um, that's fine. That's that's just the developer's choice. I mean, that's, that's their yeah. artistic choice. Well, part of my issue with modern games doing a CRT filter, is back in the day, the developers, especially like later on, when I'm saying later on, I mean like 16-bit era. So like, you know, your your Super Nintendo, Sega Genesis era. And then later, with the Nintendo 64 era and PlayStation, they would utilize scan lines as a blending mechanic for their graphics. So essentially, if you take it and do pixel perfect mode it's going to show all these little edgies and these little jaggies yeah. on the graphics but when you put in a crt it's like blended to the point where it looks a little more 3d that was by design of the developers to give the graphics a little more pop <laughs> now modern games they don't need to do that because they don't have those restrictions when it comes to because they knew their game back in the day was going to be on that crt there was no option for yeah. high definition so now that there's an option for high definition, they, they can just draw the graphics ap appropriately. So using this filter is like you're trying to chase a nostalgia that wasn't required, so it comes off a little different. What are your thoughts, yeah. Coffin? You haven't chimed in a little bit. I feel honestly like for the purists, I, I would say... Uh Especially here, I have a I have a 1080i, uh, you know, a CRT, and I have a Sony Titantron, and I like the Titantron based on the light gun, you know, be able to play light guns and things like that. So I feel like if they're a purist, I think they should get a Sony Titantron. That's that's the end all be all best quality I think that unless you you know you can get a PVM, but it's the best quality you can get for a decent price on that. But with the other things, like with scan lines and things like that, I, I feel like it's more like with these modern games. I think there's just they're just trying to build off nostalgia, try to give people that that lived in that era that enjoyed them. You know, like in arcades, for example. You know, to give them the opportunity to kind of get back, you know, reminisce back to the the kind of screens they saw as a kid. But I just think it's mostly just for nostalgic, not for like I can't just see people actually playing like that all the time on their on their LCDs. No. Yeah, no. Um, interesting that you call it a t 
Titantron. Is, is that a, re- a WWF reference for the Titantron? Yeah, it's, 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 yeah, it's, it's, it's a I just Trinitron for sure. I call it. I call it. I call it. I joke around because as a kid, you oh, know, yeah. you had like the like oh, coming out to the Titantron. So I always joked it called the TV that. It's just a. It's just a. It's just a rib on just on wrestling. Sure we're doing a rib on wrestling yeah. here with the Titantron. <laughs> like we all know that's a Sony Trinitron. Um, yeah. I actually have a PVM here. Um, at the house that I'm gonna have to put in storage, unfortunately, for a few years. It's heavy as yeah. shit too. Um, I have. It's a really cool PVM. It doesn't have SCART on it. It just has mm. you know, the normal HD. But it's it is so clear. That's the one thing. Going from a Trinitron to a PVM is like significant. And then going from a PVM to a BVM is even the like the next level. Um, the yeah, thing I, is, Trinitrons are so expensive now. Yeah, they are. Uh, I actually did have a BVM um, and with with SCART inputs, um, but uh, I, I didn't. I, I found myself not using it as much, and it, it didn't really work with the flow of my uh, my game room. So um, I just sold it for the, the exact same price that I got it for. I got a bro deal while I was down in Texas, and I gave that same bro deal to a local collector here. Um, so it's, it's in a good home still. Um, but hey, yeah, I mean, the quality is awesome. Um, and, and as far as like playing nostalgic stuff, especially in SCART with uh, true RGB, it looks great. Um, yeah. it's just, uh, you know, I, I ended up getting a retro tank, uh, 5X Pro, I think it's called. So now I've got, uh, you know, I can put SCART inputs into whatever, but then like hook it up to a modern TV. And, you know, I've played around with the the whole scan line thing, but yeah, it's just a gimmick. Um, Well, and that's the one thing is, is that it really depends on your nostalgia and what you want to play as a gamer. That includes, that's all of us. So like I get to contemplate all this stuff because like my PVM is going into storage I haven't used that PVM in years. It's been sitting mm-hmm. in my garage on not hooked up. I used my Sharp NES TV for NES, and then the rest yeah. of the systems, I just kind of emulate or use on my computer, which is my giant monitor that's here. So, like for example, if I want to play Sega Genesis, I had a Mega SG, um, the you know that little analog system. I oh yeah, that. analog I that baby. There. Um, that did get quote unquote fried from a power surge, and I can no longer play it. But um, that's kind of what I would use as FPGA uh, when appropriate, and yep. and that to me was was good enough, was cool. Um, but the thing is, is like going the whole scart route, the space that it takes up. You have to have a dedicated system. You have to have all the cords and all the different consoles and all the different hookups and all the different controllers and like to me it's (laughs) like i'm thinking of that and getting anxiety of me remembering where i put all this stuff i have it all i don't know where it's all going to be when i move to my final place in three years so like to me it's like do i even go back to that or do i just emulate the damn shit on my stream deck my steam deck do i just put it on my they got like a subgenre yeah, it's like a subgenre, basically. Like I always joke, like, like it's like you know how people used to be like vinyl and CDs. Like, oh, vinyl sounds so much better, and you got to have a premium record player, and you got to have all this to make the sound sound really, really good. 
And I feel like it's a, it's like a subgenre with collectors. There's some collectors that just don't care and be like like me, for example. Like as long as it plays, I'm cool. But there are some people like even even Amara knows we know people like that that know specifically like what cables they have to get. What Jeff what Gatsky. what? Uh, yeah, for We're sure, guys. Jeff. Uh, Jeff Getsky. Nice. He would send us schematics on how he hooks up his stuff and it was like insanity like it's i couldn't I, I couldn't read it man. it's insane but he has the best picture quality and everything like that but that's his thing you know what i mean and i feel like that's what it is like a it's like a subgenre you know so people are like oh see these are better no vinyls are better and so everyone kind of gets an argument it's the same thing with fpga and uh and you know and in and, and basically emulation everyone gets an arguments about that all the time it's just basically what you prefer it makes it easier for you yeah, and it's like using the, I think it was like the little hookup mechanism that would convert into from SCART or into SCART or HDMI with no lag and all that stuff for all the different systems. I remember some of my buddies, like even old Kevin Kill, who's in season one of VGBS, he would have this system hookup version. They would have it all perfectly emulated, perfectly on an HD TV so he could play everything and then stream it to YouTube. And it was like using all those systems, super expensive to do it. And it was such a like an like a big you know, whole deal that he had to do. Uh, at, at that time it was probably a frame meister. Now, now it, that oh, is frame meister yeah. the god. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Well, retro retro tink is the thing now. I mean, those those I are think uh, original retro tink. Even cheaper. I think the five X or whatever the newest thing is is probably better than yeah. what I have. I had the original one where they like three D printed the the outside. It's still like bare bones. It's the one that I have. Um, but yeah, I agree. That's the the way to do it now. It's so much easier. But it's like even me thinking about that. It's like, do I just play? all my retro systems on an unlocked analog pocket because it, it's, yeah. there's no lag. It's literally one system plug and play. I can play it handheld when I'm on the go. I can Dude, you have a dock. freaking Steam Deck. That thing's a monster when it comes to emulation. Well, with yep. Steam Deck, I'm playing modern like indie stuff because it can go yep. all the way up to PS3 or Switch. I'm not going to yep. do anything modern on it, but like it can do Wii U. So, like, in 3DS. So, I just play, like, newer stuff on that. But anything retro, the analog pocket is your goal. That's FPGA. It's not even emulation. It's one-to-one. So, it's like, play that. Go to Steam Deck for some of the modern stuff. And then play modern things as it's intended. Everything that's retail right now, just buy the legit. And that's kind of how um, I've been going with it. Um, I've jokingly said... Um, that the Switch is probably my last rodeo. It's probably the last system I'm going to heavily collect for. Yeah. Um, after that, it's probably going to be sporadic. Now, I've went sporadic on the Switch since probably October of last year, where I'm only picking up the essential stuff. So if you guys force me to play for bullshit homework, I'll probably buy it. But like, I'm not buying every game that comes out. Every Actually... Every game that looks interesting. Because that was my goal. I'd buy everything that was cool. Um, it turned into a shit ton of games. I have thousands of games in my collection. Because um, there's yeah. a lot of cool shit on the Switch. Um, but I've slowed that down. And I figure now I will hunt for whatever I need to have. So if I miss something mm. from a limited run games, that's out of print and all that stuff. And it's a million dollars on eBay. I'm going to go hunt for that game. I ain't going to pay eBay prices. 
but I'm going to find it and if, if I really need to play it, and I will get it. Um, that's kind of how I'm going to do modern. But retro shit, like, I'm okay doing FPGA emulation. Now, I don't know about y'all, but, like, to me, that's okay. And it's convenience factor, man. It's not having to have space for a million games, but have space for my nostalgic Mount Rushmore of games. Because I'm going to have my yeah, CIB yeah. NES games on the wall when, I, when I'm in, retired in, in Florida. I'm going to have Kyle's games up too. His nostalgia games, I have those too. I'm going to have those up, and they're going to be rental face forward because those are the games that I played. However, I don't have to have every game because I don't have to play every game that way. They're just display. That's weird, right? Yeah. It's a different boat, man. What are your thoughts, Coffin? I see your brain going. I see your brain going. I, I, I'm just, I don't know. I'm very, uh, I don't know. I'm very old school with it. You know, yeah. like, I, it's really hard for me. I, I was very poor. Like I said, I just, if I could have something that just worked, I literally <laughs> sat on a little TV that had 13 channels on it and played <laughs> NES on it. Yeah. And the same thing, like, Damn. with Atari and all those type of things like that. It's like... It's it's so interesting to me that everyone's like, you know, I got to have the perfect screen and I got to have a perfect this one. Really, in reality, we didn't actually have that. We just had whatever TV we had that our parents had and just kind of worked it from there. Yeah, yeah dude. I, I remember playing uh, Gunsmoke on a black and white, like, freaking 10-inch television in my room. <laughs> you played Gunsmoke <laughs> on the black and white? <laughs> yeah. Like, I think I, by that time, I had a dial color TV at least. Like... But, yeah, no, I, I rented games as a kid, too, and same deal. That's where, like, I'm okay now to transition to the modern setup that I'm currently doing. Now, I'm going to be doing that modern way that I've been talking about while I'm in Hawaii. What I change, maybe I change back. Maybe I turn into a damn hipster and put my nose up again <laughs> when, I, when I get back to Florida. Maybe I do. Um, my main thing is, though, is that... If I am playing a brand new aftermarket NES game, and I play it in the original NES, and you can't play it because that's not how they programmed it, it's like, well, what way do I really need to play it to get maximum enjoyment? Because that was the one major indicator over the last couple years where I was playing some of these games and like you can't see the whole bar. Um, there was sure, a new yeah. game that came yep. out. It was like a Indiana Jones, Sydney Hunter. Uh, Rick Dangerous style game that came out, so that Cleopatra's Curse or something like that, for the Sega Genesis. And I played it on my Sega Genesis and I can't see half of the, the, the bar. And it's a Metroidvania, so I can't see like the items that I'm getting. And I'm like, so That's I fun. really couldn't enjoy it because I'm playing it on the original Nomad, which he probably didn't program it with any intention that some dork in georgia is gonna play it on a nomad and you know immediately and not yeah. be able to enjoy it to the maximum capacity probably soon people are gonna play it in their mega sgs and be able to see everything on an hd television um but i'm playing it <laughs> the natural way um also though my nomad is also modded and maybe the screen has a little stretching beyond what the normal nomad has and so there could be that um so you never know um, but like when that stuff starts to happen to me, I was like, all right, so how do I really need to play this game? How do I play it? So I get the maximum enjoyment emulation. I can adjust all the, the 
resolution, so I can't see something, I can just shrink it in the emulator, and then I can see everything, and I can play the game, and I can modify that individual game. So it's like, it's more of a convenience factor that I think is going to go forward. And then, combined, all our time is limited. We all have lives, families, jobs, everything. So being able to do things quickly is actually very important for me. Versus, okay, I'm going to play the Sega Saturn. All right, how do I hook this up? Let me get out the old Frame Meister and make sure I have the right that's why, the controller. <laughs> that's why, uh, you know, stuff like the Polymega is uh, so yeah. popular and, and such a good idea nowadays. Oh, I think Coffin's um, spot on. He does a little work in the beginning, gets his whole collection on that damn Polymega right yeah. on the roll. And I, mean, I don't put like, everything on it, though. I mean, like... I put on the games that I enjoy. I can't just yeah. see myself putting on ba- every basis loaded for the NES on there or something like that. You got limited space and storage. That's the big deal too: is storage. Do you have enough storage to to even do those type of things? You know. Okay. I told when Umbar, when I was talking to Umbar, I said, "How how big of an SSD card would I need to make this work?" And I've literally thrown the ringer at it, and I'm still got like a full SSD that I can still use for tons of other games and that's when i started grabbing games from him because he i was like well i'm already right out all the games i'm going to put on there so we started grabbing some of his and putting them on there so it's pretty interesting super cool yeah i mean and the thing is is that you get to curate that polymega to your nostalgia which is really cool mm. now you're adding tristan's nostalgia on it too so his stuff is preserved which is even cooler it's like probably an unintended thing by the the game the the console creators is like curating a friend's collection on your Polymega, yeah. which is super cool. Because, I mean, the rabbit hole goes deep, Alice. Like, you could download everything on that and make it an all-inclusive console with yeah. infinite space. Um, but the key is, are you ever going to play all that stuff? If you put all your nostalgia stuff, the stuff you want to play on it, you're probably going to play it a little bit more than if you just threw on the entire library of a system on there, because then you're not going to play all this stuff. So no. it's the it's called scope creep. It's called you know like if you if you throw the scope of the world on something, you're not going to play it. So it's the paralysis of choice is what that was called. We that was a video oh, game. Yeah. We didn't have oh, to start on that the Paralysis of choice. When you have everything, you choose nothing. If you have some stuff, you can then play. Um, ironically with the Steam Deck I remember I talked about this I think it was episode 101 that we talked about Tristan Um, I had a plug-in that allowed me to do the randomizer button Um, the problem with the Steam Deck is that um, they're always updating it so they update it and then all of a sudden that plug-in doesn't work anymore the the whole main Steam Deck plug-in for I think it's Decky loader so I've tried reinstalling and installing it. So I right now don't have a way to randomize because randomizing make thing, makes things a lot easier for me. Because then I don't yeah, have yeah, to yeah. Like, scroll and choose out of the 500 games <clears throat> in my backlog that I need to play. I can just have hit a button and I'm going to play it. Um, I think that's super cool. But like, yeah, my right, right now that plugin, that whole plugin system doesn't work in Steam Deck. So that's an issue with you know using aftermarket modifications to a modern system that's in current update status too but it's also i'm trying to make it my own you know mm-hmm. i like you well, know. let me take one second uh i'm drinking 
big corn energy at the moment. Big corn energy. I want to try one of those. Is it from Indiana? Big corn. It's no, it's it's an energy drink for Nebraskans. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Holy crap. That's insane. I have a question for you. How does it taste? I don't I haven't tried this is the first time trying it. Oh, so no. I, I hope it tastes like let's, corn. Let's do a live better. testing. Let's let's taste it. How is it? Do it. Oh, that's disappointing. Does it taste <laughs> like gasoline? No, it just it's just like uh, you know, <laughs> Red Bull kind of thing. Ah, oh, it's gross. How are you gonna? How are you gonna uh, name something big corn energy and not have it corn flavored? Come on now. I mean, that might be pretty nasty. I agree. Corn, corn, it would probably taste like a like a Fritos. Yeah, <laughs> tastes like Doritos or Fritos or something. Yeah. Fritos Ooh. energy drink. Mm, that'd be great. <laughs> Ugh, gross. Um, okay, uh, I I just got to get one more point in on, on this main yeah. topic. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. One History. thing that we haven't talked about is um, so you, you'll run into situations where like it's the same game, but there's a superior version of it on a different console. So you know, talking about like uh, Castlevania Symphony of the Night or uh, uh, Akumaju Dracula X Nocturne in the Moonlight. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. The one on Saturn has more content, so it's my favorite. It's not the original, but I think it's better. Um, and then you run into like uh, Castlevania Three on uh, Famicom, or uh, you know whatever it's called, Akamaju, whatever. Um, far superior to the one that we got in the, in uh, the U.S. because it has two extra music channels. It has like the sound chip and the the music is the Famicom so, expanded so much better. Yeah. Um, so I would argue though, for your Symphony of the Night query, that mm. the frames per second on the Sega Saturn do not match the gameplay on the original PlayStation. So if you're playing it natively on a Saturn versus a PlayStation, it's actually for my gameplay perspective only not as good to play the Saturn version um, just I because totally it's, agree. it's not as tight yep. however yeah. playing it on a polymega with coffin if he if he reps that and gets rid of all of those limitations that the Saturn has it plays perfect um, playing it on an emulator like the Steam Deck it plays perfect so yeah. um, it's much better so the, the key is natively I would disagree that he has more content. The Sega Saturn version absolutely has more content because you got three players automatically unlocked, whereas you can only get Richter with a code. Yeah. You can get the Knight character with a code and after beating the game and all that stuff with the original Symphony of the Night and the, the PlayStation. But from a gameplay perspective, I was not a fan of experiencing the Saturn uh, Symphony of the Night. I even have a copy with a big box that somebody did aftermarket just for nostalgic purposes, not because I'm going to yeah. play it. Because I'm going to play it emulated. Or, I mean, if I ever get a Polymega, it'll be that version. Because the cool thing about the Polymega, too, is you can apply patches. So you could burn or rip yep. your version of Akumaja Dracula X, whatever the hell it's called, for the Saturn, 
onto Coffin's Polymega, and then Coffin can apply a patch and play it in English with the sound from the PSP version or however you want. I know, which is just so so interesting. Interesting thing is that Abara made me one, and his patch is on a disc, and the Polymega actually burned it with the patch on it. Yep. So you don't have to technically patch it from the back. You can actually put it on the disc, and it'll actually play with the patch on it too. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it'll absolutely do the disc one. Um, The cool thing is is you can use your SD card and apply the patch after as well, which is why the Polymega is superior, because you could take your original Super Famicom disc of a game and then have a patch from online. It'll translate it. And then you can have your actual original cartridge translated, which to me... Mm is like makes the polymega very interesting because it allows expanded enjoyment on a collection for non-english or non-japanese speakers for english only speakers that's what i meant to say um but yeah it makes it much more interesting to me that's why the polymega was very um you know it piqued my interest but if i'm doing it from a convenience perspective i can put a patched rom on an emulator play it on the yeah in two seconds on your question, Abara, uh, just so for example, like you know how you talk about different variants and stuff like that. Like I'm a big Capcom sucker when they come to like Street Fighter upgrades and Resident Evil upgrades, and yeah. like I want to have the definitive version of those games. So like like say for example, like Street Fighter Four, I literally have like five different versions of that game based on. <laughs> Even the one for the 3DS, because they're like, that's the best one. And they always get you with that hustle where they're like, you know, I always like waiting for games to get all the definitive edition, like all the DLC. I hate having to download DLC. I I, I wish it was on the disc. So I try to get as many ones that are on the disc. Like, for example, like I'm a big fighter nut. Mortal Kombat uh, on the uh, PS3 had a completed edition with God of War, Freddy, and all them, and they were actually on the disc. And yeah. then before yeah. you, you had to DLC them, so like that's that's where I fall into the category of like having it the definitive version of it. it is is sometimes yeah. I just wait. <clears throat> well, especially with Street Fighter Four, like you said, Street Fighter Street Fighter Four Vanilla is so much different than Ultra Street Fighter 4. Like, it's yep. it's two completely different Think games. Street Fighter 2. Yeah. Street Fighter, Street Fighter 2. Yeah. The ultimate, uh, I mean, they the did the Street Fighter 2 rainbow in the arcades because people wanted faster ones, so they hacked the computer chips in the arcades, <laughs> which then created Turbo that Capcom actually released where they could do the Turbo. However, yeah. the Definitive Edition came out on Switch. Ultra Street yeah. Fighter 2 Turbo, which later came out like a hundred years later. So like the question that was that, surprise, man. And, so and that game is not not available. It's it's pretty obscure. It's it's not mm-hmm. like out there. So the the that is a, a good question when it comes to the topic is from a historic perspective, is it more interesting to have that original Street Fighter 2 arcade board in your house in the arcade cabinet? Or is it more interesting to have the definitive version of the game Ultra Street Fighter 2 Turbo that has all the different bells and whistles that you have the original that you have on the game? Because modern doesn't necessarily like a Street Fighter 4 doesn't necessarily play into that same category because a lot of those games are released and pushed out before they're done to meet a deadline with DLC or patches or whatever purposely intended to come out later. 
Like that stuff does come out like that a lot with modern. Versus yeah, if, back in the day, they released the damn arcade cabinet. <laughs> yeah, if if you're if you're making me choose between the definitive version that the uh, you know like say Mortal Kombat two, yeah, um, and and an original arcade board Mortal Kombat two. I, I yeah man that's a, that's a tough one. Mm-hmm. But they also did revisions of the arcade boards too. They yeah, have. they did. And you can also sit there and then get that original arcade board, then modify the chips and make sure that they have the ultimate version on those chip boards too. Um, yep. A perfect example: I have a Donkey Kong Junior cocktail at my dad's house. There you go. I can put a double DK in that once I get it from my dad's house once I retire. Once I get out to Florida. And it requires a Donkey Kong Jr. board. But I can put Donkey Kong and Donkey Kong Jr. on that board with the definitive versions and save states. It saves all your high scores and everything. It doesn't reset when you reset the game. Because when you turn off the game on Donkey Kong Jr. or Donkey Kong, it resets your high scores. The Double DK mod board does not. Um, I'm going to do that in mine. It might be blasphemy taking an original DK Jr., original old school cocktail the brown cocktail i have the original um and doing a modification to the original board but it's for a convenience factor for me i want to be able to save my scores i want to be able to chase and better myself in donkey kong jr and play the original donkey kong which i love playing um it's a super fun game so like that's another thing with mortal kombat 2 because i'm gonna have to have one of those in my house because my wife loves mortal kombat 2 and, um, yes, my wife did steal and keep the marquee that I got from Midwest Gaming Classic. That did happen. <laughs> mm. <laughs> As expected. Um, I have this signed marquee I'm getting a lot light box made for. Um, but is it worth getting the original and then modding it or keeping it? non-modified because you could take those original chips and leave them unmodified on the side i use my so i've, I've got this uh console called a um a sega no no it's not even sega it's it's just a Dreamcast with a t yeah um this chinese company took Dreamcasts and gutted them and then put them in their own custom case that has uh um, a, uh, a screen with a lid. So, you know, it flips up and you got a screen, um, mm-hmm. on top of your Dreamcast or Dreamcast. Um, those screens are booty. They are just mm-hmm. God awful to look at. They're horrible. Um, but for historic, uh, it, it, from a historical standpoint and because they're so rare, like I, I don't dare, upgrade that thing that's just the way it's meant to be in my eyes <laughs> um you know it's your your situation is different with the the arcade cabinet for sure but um i don't know that's where i come from um yeah. but when it comes to like you know being a console collector i i like keeping things stock e- yeah. even with their uh flaws and stock to your nostalgia, because we got to circle back to Super Mario Brothers, stock to how you remembered it playing it growing up, not necessarily to the original historical perspective of how something was meant to be played the original very first time it was released, but more so the version you remember, um, and then what Coffin's saying, 
with like modern, you kind of want the finalized version of a game. Absolutely. So something yep. that if the developer intended to have it done <clears throat> and release on an arcade board, cool. That's what we want. But if, or if there was like a later correction, like there's revision boards on Super Mario 3, there was like two or three different revisions, major revisions that they never really publicized, but they're on cartridge because they later released cartridges. Um, but that's like non noticeable. But if it was like a DLC character pack for Mortal Kombat X or something, like where you, or Mortal Kombat 9, where you want all the different PS3 titles, you get the complete edition, complete collection. Yeah. Um, that makes sense to me. Um, I, so, so reality is, is that, and it's perfect topic for video game bullshit is it depends. It really depends. And it depends on what drives you as a gamer, drives your nostalgia. Um, there's no one answer that's going to answer for all of us. Um, and for me, it's a convenience factor combined with how I remembered playing stuff as, as a kid and keeping it accessible. So when I'm drinking margaritas, I can fire that shit up. Because, like, if I got to sit there and pull out the jaws of life to be able to assemble a freaking console with random cords and shit, I ain't going to do that. But if it's a press the button and it's on and I select the game and it goes, we can all enjoy it. That's going to be played at a a hangout. That's why the Polymega is so so valuable, man. Like, they they really got that formula right. Man, they... I mean, seriously... Mm-hmm. What is our biggest fear, though? This is this is the interesting thing. What is our biggest fear currently, right now in this generation, that they're going to take it offline and you yeah. can't get it? And yeah. so, because of that, that's why everyone wants to get the definitive edition of it because they can't take that away from you. And when they take away physical, you know, that's that's going to be the problem with it. Same thing like when people were freaking out about the 3DS and the Wii U. Yeah. Everyone ran on there trying to grab every single game they could before you know they got shut down. And what and, happened you know, you know scenarios. six hours later? Gone. Hackers brought it back. And, Hackers yep. brought it back six hours later. So that is always my argument. And now we run a physical preservation, physical publishing company. So we 100% want the best version of every game that we release out on there. And so we 100% agree that we want everything preserved. However, I even understand hackers are going to keep this shit alive, man. Like, it's not going to be an issue. Because if people want it, it'll be kept alive. The fear of missing yeah. out, the FOMO of collecting is that random ass game that Coffin loves that nobody freaking knows about that he played on the last generation that they don't think about preserving that's an online only experience that isn't going to be a half-hack service and nobody's going to be playing that you want to play. That thing might be gone. Those are the things why we collect what we do. Is because those AAA mega titles that everybody has, the Pokemons and everything else, is going to be preserved. A lot of the 3DS, the Wii U, because it's such a smaller library, is, are going to be preserved. Because hackers are going to keep it alive because people want to. It's the little things, the little rarities are going to be the fun things that might go away. And it's why we need to collect what we do. And we're all OCD in a little bit. We are collectors in a little bit. We want to keep our things. So that's what will keep driving us, right? Like, that's the interesting piece to me, is that what are those little things? Like, Mortal Kombat's going to be around, but what are the things that won't be around? 
I've I've got two. Um, and actually, uh, this is this is going back to uh, we had an earlier conversation about um, 3DS and Wii U. What titles to look out for? And we it was in the context of the the shops going away. Yeah. Um, I forgot about one. One oh. that I I absolutely love this game, and it it was digital only on the 3DS. Uh, Rhythm Heaven Mega Mix. Um, I love the Rhythm Heaven uh, series, and the definitive edition of that game was only digital. Travesty. Um, it came out physically on the in on the Japanese console, so you know, of course, I had to get a Japanese 3DS and actually import a physical copy of that, just so that you know I have a physical copy. They can't take it away from me. <laughs> um, but uh, that was one that I forgot. And, and the ultimate, to me, the ultimate is PT. Because yes. Konami doesn't want it to exist. I have my copy of PT downloaded when it first came out. As do I. Mm-hmm. Another one for Konami that they haven't redone is the Rebirth series. Castlevania Rebirth and Contra yeah, Rebirth. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's true. There's also Greatest Rebirth. Um, there was also yep. a couple other really fun games on the Wii U. There was a Bonk game that I remember, which actually was original. Not Wii U, but Wii. Um, that might have been GameCube, yeah. though. I think there was a GameCube series that there was, like, a, a, a over, like, newer version of Bonk where you had, like, gray hair. Um, and then there was Star Soldier yeah. as well. Yeah. Um, there's some really cool Wii U games that were, or Wii, I keep saying Wii U, Wii games that never got a re-release that should and it makes me sad because like those are the type of games that i would love to see a physical of now and see it preserved and slacker said that his ps4 with pt was fried in a thunderstorm damn oh man i mean and that's the the one thing that's going to get people is if it's not preserved like you're gonna have data disc rot in the future. Yeah. So even like a thunderstorm, like what Slacker had happened, that could happen. But um, what's to say that you don't have it on your 360 back in the day, not PS4, but 360, and your PS, your 360 gets ring of death and all your digital stuff. Yeah, I know. Yeah. So, nope. Or you just unplug your damn SD card from your PS4. You're not SD card, but your, your hard drive from your PS4. And or your kid kicks it, or your dog runs over it, and a cat hits it, Tristan, by doing a backflip off of a balcony, and um, <laughs> and it takes out your hard drive. But that's a legitimate thing that yeah. can happen. And all of a sudden, you have disc errors, and there goes PT. I yeah, mean, no. it's it's a reality that if you don't have it preserved some way, shape, or form, it'll be gone, which is unfortunate. Um, so um, there, there's another conversation to, to be had in, in in with preservation sake and PT. So I, I mean, and we're doing it right now. This is kind of inception. I mean, we're sitting here talking about this stuff, and this is an archive where we're being recorded um, of of our thoughts. And and you know, you got Twitch where people play these games, and uh, you can go back and watch like video on demand. Mm-hmm. Um, of people playing those things. So I, I actually have uh, a buddy of mine, Pendergrass, down in uh, Texas, David Pendergrass. Um, he had never played PT before, so we sat down and played PT and uh, you know streamed it live on Twitch. So I've, I've, I've always got that preservation if PT ever fails. 
I've got her playthrough. And and that's the other the other piece though is that like nostalgia versus playing the game versus if you play it again are you gonna have that same nostalgia versus yeah. like there's there's a million different layers to the onion that we can unfold when it comes to like how we play what we play every year what do you play um it'll be some cool future episodes like what's your yearly backlog look like of games that you repeat um stuff like yeah. that. but well and and when it comes to like repeating games and, and going back into your backlog um i mean like how how awesome is it to be able to like share a game that means that much to you that you've played through 20 times like with a new generation with a new person it's like you're playing it all over again for the first time. Yep. Yeah, their experience, their reactions were similar to yours. Very true. Yeah. Very true. Um, but what I was going to say before too much time gets away from us, should we transition to our bullshit? Yeah, probably. Yep. <laughs> bullshit homework. So um, we're actually going to cover Metroid Prime Remaster um, this time. Uh, with how far we've gone with our experiences, um, because it's been a few weeks now. I would say, well, it's been three, four weeks now. Four weeks. Mm-hmm. This is episode one hundred four. Yep. Um, that's about the max we're going to do the bullshit homework, and then we're going to move on. And whether we continue yeah. to continue it on our own or not, we'll talk about how far we've gotten over the past few weeks, um, and then whether we're going to continue it on our own or it's just going to go into the backlog pile as we continue on. Um, so, um, I'll start a little bit. So, I'm still playing Prime Hacks. I didn't actually play Metroid Prime Remaster. Um, I have the Legend of Zelda OLED coming in the mail in the future, so I will do a follow-up to see if it actually looks, you know, crisper when I get that console. It, um, it will. Yeah, I, I'm, assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming it's going to be a game-changer. Maybe I'll change my tone. But... Um, I continue to play, as I said, whenever I do bullshit homework, I do a blind playing through. So I use no guides, no everything else. Um, I've been wandering, man. Um, I had just gotten the boost ball. So as I think as Coffin called it, Tony Hawk, Metroid Skater Prime, <laughs> whatever he called it last time. Um, but Metroid Prime, Metroid Prime Skater. I've been doing Metroid Prime Skater. Um, and I've been just going all around trying to find new areas trying to find new stuff um i did finally get the double jump i think it's called the space jump i think in the game um i did get the double jump and i've been then going around and seeing where i could double jump to there's no indicators on the map currently of where i need to go next or any of that stuff so i'm just looking around and i put in a few hours and couldn't find the next thing so i was like oh I'm, i'm good (laughs) it's kind of where I got to didn't find a boss didn't find a new area didn't find a new section kind of just was wandering hit the few areas and then like I'm flying through what I previously was struggling to get through and I'm like flying through because I could like double jump now really cool really awesome with the double jump um but that's about where I'm at and so that's where I've gotten to um I won't give my final rating I mean, rating's cool, but whether 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 I'm going to continue or not till y'all both talk. So, go ahead and we'll go to uh, Coffin since Tristan is behind us on the game. 
So I'm probably I'm pretty much in the same area, but uh, I am in the uh, what they call Fedora Drifts. I'm I'm got the double jump. I'm looking for uh, the wave beam and the super missiles because that's the next agenda on it. Oh, uh, that's probably why you're getting kind of stuck because you have to have those two items to to progress within the game. So that's what I'm currently looking for because it's basically like. <laughs> If you look at it, it's like it's like like right in the middle of like chapter three basically of the game, and so like you have to have those two items to get farther in the game, and so that's what I'm currently looking for, and I cannot find them because I haven't played it in a really long time, so I'm kind of kind of rusty on my brain. So I'm hoping I don't have to go to the guide, but that's currently where I'm sitting at right there. Well, with you, Coffin, like you have the guilty knowledge of having played it and know that those are coming. I'm in the same spot as you, but I have no clue that that was the next power-ups. I'm just looking around for shit, and I couldn't find anything. And I'm like, mm. okay, I don't see anything around here. I'm looking around. I'm kind of lost. Um, and then I'm like, okay, I'm going to go to bed tonight. That's kind of where it was. I know where I know where the locations is, like, like where you're supposed to go to. I just can't find where they're at. And that's kind of like, that's why I said with the mapping system is, is why it drives me crazy, because it doesn't really give you, like, exactly where you need to go. And so it makes it a problem when you're trying to, like, you know, transition to the next power-ups to it. That's why I like Zero Mission so much, because at least they'll tell me where, what certain direction I need to go to instead of just, like, you might have to go here, or there's a disturbance somewhere, and then you go over there and you're like, there's nothing there. And it's like, it's, just, it's, it's a little frustrating, but it's just the way they built it. Spoiled by modern amenities because, like, the way that I'm experiencing Prime, though, feels like the most old school way that I would have expected. They're not going to handhold me at all. It's Metro. Like, you're on a desert. Yep, correct. They ain't going to show you shit. Maybe yep. if you look around enough, maybe you'll get a little exclamation point. But I haven't gotten anything. Versus Zero Mission, they handheld the hell out of me. I loved it. It was way better to me than the original. Zero Mission was great. But it's almost linear. <laughs> like, they just, they tell you exactly where to go. Like, you can figure that shit out really quick. Like, it, it completely got rid of any exploration from the original Metroid. Versus, think of it like right this, now, though. I'm like... lost as shit. I'm so lost that I'm probably giving up. However, it is Metroid. <laughs> I think about it like this, like uh, it's different age. Like when you were younger, you had a lot of time, so you can sure. kind of dig around where you want to go. But like as a parent, you're like, all right, I only got like two hours. I can't be sitting here just rolling around in this freaking game forever trying to find where I need to go. So that's why it's like yeah. to me, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I gotta go, 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 you know. And and so it's kind of a funny perspective of being my if my if that. T- 20, I'd be like, man, this is awesome. All this exploration, doing all this fun stuff. Where I'm at 40 now, I'm like, man, I got two hours and I got to get up for work. So <laughs> I got to get this. I got to get this ball rolling. Well, it's the same um, conundrum I have with trying to replay Breath of the Wild after I deleted my save. It's like, do I want to go through this giant game that I've already done and searching around when I know it's huge and it's going to take me hours and hours to do something? So yeah, I, I think that um, it's not Nintendo's fault that we're old, but. <laughs> It is going to be what we enjoy more. But I want to see what Tristan has gotten to now. It's been a week. Have you have you played it, yeah. Tristan? Have you played? No, it? no. I, I actually did pick it up. Um, Holy and I got. Crap. I I got so I I wanted to see what you guys were talking about with the Tony Hawk ball participation trophy <laughs> for Tristan. The boost ball, yeah. So I I got the boost ball, and. <laughs> And I, I spent a lot of time just messing around, like, Tony Hawking everywhere. <laughs> it was way too much time. Um, I did not get 
as far as the uh, space jump boots, that's the double jump, right? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Didn't get there. But, okay, and <laughs> I was actually excited to talk about this because I get to kind of rib on uh, on Coffin a little bit in his, uh, his Metroid uh, love because, you know, when it comes to, like, exploring in, in a game and not knowing where to go plus narcolepsy... <laughs> You can see where this is going. I couldn't stay awake. I couldn't stay awake. So that's as far as I got. I got the I got the boost ball. I did not fall asleep during Metroid Prime. That's (laughs) I think Retro Studios mind in the whole process of it was they were trying to keep it as original as possible. Like we don't want to handhold you. We just want you guys to go have fun and go look. And yeah. I and I, I do enjoy. Don't get me wrong. I that's the whole reason why I love Metroidvania is, is basically the the whole option of exploring. But like that game is so cryptic on the mapping system, it just drives me nuts. But like I love the game. Don't get me wrong. The game is amazing. It's just the mapping system. If it was just tweaked a little bit, I think I'd be pretty happy about it. What was what was the game where like you you could like uh, press a button and then like a little light uh, tracer like came out of you like uh where you're supposed to go was that dead space um, no uh that it was on it was a returnal returnal did that too i think okay but it, i i, I think, think that's yeah kind i don't of what was no, it was that space yeah you're right you it was that space yeah you're correct okay yeah, yeah but that's that's i the entire time i wish that that metroid prime had that feature just for you know people like me that don't have the patience to blast every wall and look in every nook and cranny and you know whatever well one thing i wish a lot of these games had the option for is what you would do on the 3ds where you had the second screen you could draw notes like like i wish i could draw a note and say come back here with bombs come back here with missile because i'm gonna take a week off and i can remember shit so now i'm gonna have to wander around again and randomly come across that thing because i just got crap where was that i have no clue and now if i was playing it in one if that was my only rental game and i played in one sitting or one weekend or one week but that was the only game i'm playing and it's the only thing i'm doing i'm not working don't have a family all that stuff like cool like i'll remember that shit and it's perfect for game design but not having the option to note things is like now. I, what do I have to do? Take a notebook out? Like I'm not gonna do that now. Like I should. That's the option. I take out a damn notebook and write that shit down. Um, yeah. Yes. Or um, old school and, graph paper. And Slacker says it perfectly. Ghosts of Tsushima, where you have the wind that can show you yeah. where to go. That's. Ooh. That is, I, it's I awesome. love that mechanic. Awesome. Um, another game I played for like two or three hours, and then I beat like the first boss. Didn't even realize it was a Souls-like, mind you, which is hilarious, because I beat the first boss. Um, but like, I love that game, and it's very simple. You don't have to file it if you don't want to. I do like that. Yeah. Um, so, <clears throat> bullshit homework. I mean, I think that Metro, we all agree Metroid Prime is, is pretty much a damn masterpiece. But, it's great. It's really good. But are any of us going to continue playing it after the homework is done? I don't think yes. so. So, Coffin says yes. Tristan says no. Um, I say I would love to, but it's not going to happen. Like... I will add it to the backlog. I would love to play more of it. 
But if there's any indication, I feel like I don't, and I'm, I'm with Coffin, like on this, I don't have the time to wander around, and I'm not going to use a guide. Um, I'm going to move on to our next game, which if social media tells me anything, Coffin's already started with his kids. Um, but it's like, I'm going to move on to the next game, plus everything I need to play and test for premium and everything that I want to play and test in my own personal backlog for myself and for premium in the future. So it's like, I got so many games to play. Um, it's not going to be realistic. I would love to be able to play it. I would love to be able to like just focus and only make Metroid Prime my, my next month, but it's not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. So, Coffin, yeah, you're, you're going to continue, Coffin? Yep. Yeah, he's, uh, he's a Metroid crazy guy. Just like if, uh, you know, if Konami ever did me a solid, made a, a decent... Uh, uh, Metroidvania, Castlevania, um, you know, modern one that doesn't suck. Bloodstained. Uh, 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 yeah, and I, I played the crap. Uh, yeah, but that was a long time ago. I'm starving. What about? Um, I would say the next big one, not Konami. Um, it's probably gonna be Silk Song. It's gonna be the next big major one that's gonna come out. That's at a higher level. Um, you know, sequel to Hollow Knight or whatever, the DLC yeah. that's not a DLC. I feel like that's going to be the yep. next major one that's going to engross me for a Metroidvania. There's a ton of indie mm-hmm. ones that are amazing, including ones we're publishing. So, oh, like, time. all time. those are, are amazing. But I feel like Silk Song is going to be, because Hollow Knight's in my top five. So I feel like Silk mm-hmm. Song is going to be right up there for some of my favorites. Um, Bloodstain was great. I enjoyed it. Um, yeah. I, I personally think Curse of the Moon 1 and 2 are superior in their gameplay and their feel because it's more Castlevania 3, which I love. Not Metroidvania, but Castlevania 3. Yeah, for, sure, for sure. Um, more Rondo of Blood, actually. Um, yeah. But from a Metroidvania perspective, I feel like Bloodstained hit everything. Wish the controls were a little tighter, but it was great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, so... Next bullshit homework. Um, I we haven't really talked about it in chat, but we alluded to it. I clicked over the screen. We alluded to it last week, doing some Kirby with Return to Dreamland Deluxe. It's the bullshit. Homework. Yeah. So uh, you know, I I sit I sit there and like uh, make fun of Kirby and and hate on it all day long, and mm-hmm. I'm actually super excited to play this one. Me too. Um, I I really am. I played the original on the Wii for like an hour or two and never went through it. I'm tracking that because it's Kirby, we should be able to essentially not get lost and be able to play it and beat it. Oh, for sure, yeah. Um, oh, if, for sure. if any of us get lost and can't beat this game, be me. Dude, now, t- take my gamer cred card. It'll be me. I'll be like, oh, but I didn't finish it, guys. <laughs> like no, I mean yeah. my thing is gonna be, and it's all of us is gonna be the time to be able to dedicate to it. I mean I'm be moving and stuff, yeah. but because of the handheld nature of the switch, I feel like I can just pop it in at night and knock out some Kirby. I'm excited. I have not started it. I know Coffin had posted on social media with the kiddos, um, but like I have not started it yet. I haven't even plugged it in, so this is gonna be. Awesome. I haven't. I haven't did it either. I I have them. I bought this and Mega Man the same day, so. The awesome. network, uh, the I never played the Legacy Collection for the, the Battle Network, so I thought it was time. <laughs> Battle Network is out then for Switch. Yeah, it's out for Switch and PS4. 
Nice. I, I definitely need to pick that up then for Switch because I love the Battle Network games. Um, so, like, that's one that I've been meaning to replay those. They'll be in my forever backlog, and I'll probably never play them, but I would love to. <laughs> so, might be a future one. I figure, though, Kirby will give us a nice palette cleanser after the Metroid Prime-ness before we jump into Tears of the Kingdom. I feel like maybe we'll hit an indie game in between. Um, depending on how long yeah. we play uh, Kirby for. Um, yeah. But, like, I feel like Kirby's going to be a fun one. We can just shoot the shit, talk about it, um, and talk about <coughs> Kirby stories during it, too. So I got some old Kirby stories. It's great, though. Yeah. That is awesome. Awesome. Um, so the other piece, the final piece is, have you all been playing anything else outside of Metroid Prime? I have one game. I have one game. I have one game. I have I have three. Ooh, oh man, you've been you've been available. Oh, like coffee. Well, they're all they're all NES they're all NES games. So like, okay. I want to give a shout out to John Miller because he made this amazing trilogy. He put all the games under one cart, which is great. That's uh, true. I also bought Splatterhouse from him as well because I've been wanting to play this. I never played it, well, and then right above me, as being right here that you can't see, is the Wapaku Gafridi. I have a whole. Um, painting where I have two perlers on the painting of Black Packy. Oh yeah, right above. Very me. nice. And you can't see it on the on the screen, but it's there. And then the last one is you know I'm such a Ninja Turtles guy, and so to have every NES Ninja Turtle game under one card is uh, pretty freaking amazing. And uh, his stuff is premium quality, so I've been really excited to sit there play on the AVS uh, some classic games that I enjoy. Yeah, and uh, it just, I mean, while you're doing the shout-out for John Miller, um, his, uh, his, his website's an open secret. Um, and if, if people aren't familiar with John Miller, he was actually part of Time Walk Games back in the day. So that's one of the reasons why his quality is just top-notch, um, because he's been doing it all along. Uh, his website is This Room is an Illusion. Dot com. His whole website um, is an illusion. You don't ever see it. It is an illusion, yep. Yeah. Dude, uh, go Such on there, support the guy. Everything is top-notch quality. It's just incredible. I have so much of his stuff. Me too. I, I, I used mean, to buy stuff off of off eBay a long time ago. I didn't even know who he was, and then we had a big laugh about it because I was literally on his eBay store all the time buying his stuff. And then finally I found out it was him, and then we started laughing. And I was like, I can't believe I got better deals than what I was paying for on eBay. <laughs> well, you yeah. just think about like what you just showed on here on YouTube on the, the channel was like the Ninja Turtles one. Just the packaging and the art that he did for it with the original but comic sick, book man. art. That's like black and white, but then it has one, two, and three on it. And I mean, just like check out that. And then it has the aesthetics of Ultra, which was the original release of one and two on the NES. Um, they had that black, you know, the black horizontal folds. And, you know, Tristan and I are both also designers, and we appreciate the, the old school aesthetics and the attention to detail on that kind of yeah, stuff. Yeah, it's just, it, it looks like it's straight out of the era. Yeah, that is like perfect. And that's what John Miller does well. And the fact that we have him with us on our team is just icing on the cake because John Miller is... Oh, it's, it's amazing. Team. Yeah. Like, we have to talk him off the nostalgia. Create your own nostalgia now, John. Don't don't use the uh, yeah. nostalgia. Like, we need to do it. <laughs> yep. It's tough because it's cool to design it after the old school stuff, too. 
Mm-hmm. Um, so um, I actually thought of a second game that I was playing too this week. So it's freaking craziness. Um, my two games though were new. Um, one of them goes in the Metroid theme. Um, have you either of you heard of the game called Maptroid Worlds? Maptroid Worlds. No, so think I'm not, about I'm it. I've not heard it. Yeah, so um, I played on Steam, and it is essentially Metroid, but you play only on the map. What? So you, so you move around really? the character on the map, and what? you can you can unlock everything. You unlock like the the water, like traversing water, traversing heat, or all that stuff. In only it's hilarious. It is ridiculous. Uh, not something that we would ever sign as premium because it's such a budget game. It's such a ridiculously cool thing. I actually got That's through. a funny, funny gimmick. You can even go from the map into your ship and then move to different planets. And the different planets have different <laughs> ecosystems and they have interconnectivity with warps. I beat the whole game. This is like something that I beat in an afternoon with an hour or two. Um, and then after you beat it, it unlocks two different versions. One's like a blind version. The other one's like Puzzle Troid. And essentially it's a bunch of, it's like 40 different puzzles that you can play that are like within the Maptroid worlds where you have a Metroidvania style map, but you do like puzzles. And then some of them are like, move this thing over through a maze. Another ones are different versions of mazes with different options. Some of them are just Picross. But um, it's super cool. Maptroid Worlds, really cool budget game on Steam. That one was fun as hell. Um, recommend anybody checking it out. The other one was a Kickstarter. I just got the code for it. Um, I think it's a Kickstarter. But either way, it's called Revita. Revita. I don't know the name of it. Um, reminded me a lot of Dead Cells. Um, it is yeah. more of a roguelike in nature. Um, but you're going through into these towers. And so you go through, you get your character, and as you go through the tower, you can upgrade your character to get more power, more attacks. You shoot a little faster because you can use the right control stick to aim your, your bullets. You can get, like, a shotgun with three shots or other different stuff. And then you go through and you battle bosses. The interesting thing of this one, though, is if you have a decent basic skill of action platformers, like I do, um, I got through, like, the first time you're supposed to die in the boss, and then you go through and they, they explain to you how you die and reincarnate and go through the thing again. But the first time I played through the main thing, I got through, like, two or three bosses back to back to back. And when you do your upgrades, you don't upgrade with currency, but you upgrade with your own life. That you can only re fill by killing a bunch of enemies and you press a button and then you can like fill up half your life like with energy that you get from defeating enemies um super interesting mechanic i was addicted to it i played through two or three times yesterday um two or three iterations um the second time i went through though i got my butt handed to me like crushed (laughs) it's it's a you know it has a a souls like aesthetic you know you're it's a roguelike so you're expected to die um, but I started unlocking stuff, started getting some, some unlock, um, permanent unlockables too. Really, really cool. I, I like that aspect of Dead Souls. I still feel like there's still the, you hit that ceiling and once you surpass that ceiling, it unlocks and becomes super fun too. I don't think I've gotten to that yet, but it's called Re, V-I-T-A, Revita, Revita. Um, Re-Vita recommend that one too oh. that one was super cool that one i would sign for a physical if it's available 
Cool. Like, like really good. Like probably an A tier, maybe S tier game. Really fun. Wow. Yeah. And you know what? Somebody steals it from us, Tristan. Have at it. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Playing? Well, I, I actually just thought of a second one while you guys were talking, so Perfect. I've got two to share as well. Um, the first one is uh, a game that uh, I, I already said that I picked up at MGC, and that's uh, it was a JAMA arcade board, uh, Sengoku Ace. No. I love my shooters, and it's super fun. Um, that one is extremely challenging, um, even on the first playthrough. It's one of those ones where, like, if you die or get a game over, it sends you to the very beginning of the uh, the level. So you don't, yeah, you don't get to continue where you died. Um, so there's a lot of trial and error and a lot of uh, you know bullet dodging. It's a bullet hell shooter. Um, but uh, it, yeah, and and then like uh, once you beat the final boss and you go through a second playthrough and it's even harder. Um, oh, so right. there's a lot of replay value and it's, it's a lot of fun. The second one, uh, I went over to coffins, uh, yesterday I was helping him, uh, you know, set up his, his new, uh, setup that he's got there at his desk and whatnot. And, uh, he had me play something on the Polymega that I'd never played before, which, uh, I'm a huge fan of this game now. Um, I didn't even know it existed. It's, uh, the Japanese... Uh, PC Engine Die Hard. Oh man, that's a good game. Such a great that, one. That game is amazing. Yeah, that yeah. that game is a good one. And Coffin played it too. So you had another game you played. Yeah. So the <laughs> I, I went to when I went to MGC. That was the first game I saw. I wanted that game. I put it on my list. And when I went there, the first the there was like a group from Chicago, and they had a bunch of like uh, imports and. He had it there. It was expensive, but I was like, "What happened was I I I, uh, I found it by accident on an emulation on my computer." I just like, "What is this?" And I'm like, "Man, this is awesome!" I was like, "If I ever find a physical copy, I'm gonna grab it." And sure enough, they had it there, and it was it was complete with registration card and everything. So I've been trying to pass the love to everybody about how amazing that game is because we got a trash one on the NES. This one should have been the one we got. <laughs> I agree. Yeah, that's that's a really cool playthrough and. Like playing retro games, like that's hitting a new nostalgia for something you didn't know existed. Um, yeah. That is a cool one. I, I had a similar experience with some PlayStation games, PS1 games that were in Japan that I never heard of, like Adventures of Lomax and stuff like that that I never heard of that are like awesome platformers. I'm like, what is this? Um, that kind of stuff was like mind blowing to me. Um, actually, came up with another game that I played um, this last week. Uh, it's called Pinball Wizard. Doubt you all hmm. heard of that one. Um, no, I haven't. Pinball Wizard is an interesting one. And I see Ryan Barrett is saying, what's up, gentlemen? Um, what's up, Ryan? Um, but Pinball Wizard is an interesting Money. one. It's, like, it's a 3D pinball game, but you, you hit your character with pinball paddles. And then <clears> there'll be enemies walking around on the screen, and you hit them, and they have life bars. And as you attack them or close to attacking them, they may turn red and get angry and attack you. Um, so you have to avoid Sounds like them. Odama. It's absolutely reminding me of Odama. Um, it's supposed to be a roguelike where you die a bunch, but I also got through a bunch of levels. You level up characters, you get new abilities. 
Um, one interesting ability, one of the first ones you get, you can press and hold a button where you can then, the, the circle goes around the character and you can shoot it in whatever direction you want, which also pauses the character to avoid taking damage from those enemies, which is pretty cool. Mm. Um, it is absolutely like a shorter budget style game, but the graphics look amazing. It's like very modern. Um, with it and it also has daily challenges which is pretty cool so you can like have a new challenge every day when you play it a new like board layout that you can get from online um so playability is definitely there um pinball enthusiasts it's it's a really good console Love pinball. pinball game it, it reminds me a lot of your odama but also like your um alien crush devil's crush jockey crush very nice um that kind of game but little you know it's more 3d in aesthetics and not pixelated so it was a cool yeah. i enjoyed it for a tour um not going into the we're gonna pursue it for a physical but definitely a fun experience a good budget game for sure i just had a really good idea uh-oh and i think we should do this uh at the very end of every episode oh good uh, we're, I think we're be- transitioning to the end now tristan it's perfect <laughs> transitions um no uh so uh in the same light of um you know uh coffin uh introducing me to die hard on the pc engine which i i didn't know about i was oblivious to it um you know all all three of us have a pretty wide breadth of knowledge and and um a pretty big repertoire as as far as like games that we've played and that we know about yeah I suggest that we each um, tell people to check out a game, um, you know, in in the vast library of games that exist that they might not otherwise check out. Okay. Um, yeah. So I think, uh, and, and this one flew under the radar. I, I, I didn't know about it. The only reason I knew about it is because I, I used to play it in the arcade. But I didn't know that there was a Genesis um, port until uh, a couple of years ago. Uh, Midnight Resistance. Hmm. It's a Contra-like game. Great game. But it's really fun. Wish you could do some diagonal aiming with the gun, but it's fun. Yeah, well. <laughs> Love that game, though. I, I played the yeah. hell out of that in the arcade. Yep, yep. Midnight Resistance. That's good. Coffin's thinking. I can see his brain going. I got one. I'm gonna grab it really quick. Perfect. Um, I will tell mine while Coffin's going to get his. Um, I'm gonna go for the harder one and not the easy one. Um, there is a game. So when I was a kid, I played a game. It was in the arcades, and it was at this place called Tobes. The other places, Tobes is a steakhouse, and they had this arcade hmm. game going. Um, and I'm gonna do some Tristan style singing now on the episode. But the uh, the song would go. It was like do 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 do, and it would do this song, and then there would be this like jumping the bit with the jumping, and then you die. It would go do do do, and it would have these unique sounds for your character dying, your jumping, the music. And it would hit this music and there would be like this breakdown of like the beats and it it was like a nostalgic thing. I had forgot all about it until I got on MAME and I heard it. (coughs) MAME is called something in the arcade that is different than what the MAME name is 
And it was also released on the Genesis. I didn't know this. Oh. And the Genesis port sucks. Um, and it was released on the Famicom in Japan only. And the Famicom port sucks um, <laughs> compared to the arcade. Um, the game is called Wardner. So Wardner. definitely play. It's a platformer called Wardner. Um, you shoot these little fireballs. You're going after you're saving your girlfriends. Little magical thing. It almost looks like Willow. Um, the game is called Pyros in the arcade that I played at Tobe's other place in Cedar Lake, Indiana at the steakhouse. Okay. It was called Pyros. But it was released as Wardner everywhere else. The Genesis version is called Wardner. The reason why I don't like it as much, the controls are fine. It just doesn't have the music, doesn't have the sound effects that I'm used to. Um, mm. But I was playing it. Um, it was actually on the first time I ever got MAME working on Coin Ops on an Xbox modified. And it goes through this B-roll where it plays the music. And I heard it. I'm like, what the f-, f? What the hell? I haven't heard it. And I was like, holy shit. That is the game I played as a kid. Um, so awesome. definitely check out Wardner. It's a cool platformer. If you play on the arcade, you can put in infinite credits and keep playing until you beat it. Which is, you know, that could be an episode. Like, is that really beating a game? If you can just put in infinite credits and beat it without being on one credit we don't have time as adults so you know it's that type of thing but check out wardner now i've given coffin enough time to find the game that he's looking for yep so i found it so i'm i'm a big uh 80s movie buff and also a big fan of this company that's made by way forward uh a lot of times people don't know this game exists this came out the end of the ds cycle uh this is uh aliens infestation Oh, and what's cool about this game oh, it's so is fucking good. it's a Metroidvania game, but it also has survival horror elements in it. So if your guy dies oh, in the game, God, you don't get him good. back. No. And so it's a, such an amazing game by way forward. I think uh, they were kind of in the licensing of doing like the Mummy Demastered and things like that. So they kind of picked up licenses as they go. And Sega got the license for Aliens, so they they, they let way forward make this game. Uh, it's really, really cool. Uh, the, the, the whole thing where you, you have, it's survival horror. If you lose your people, you're done. There's no chance of getting them back. So you have to like, kind of think in survival mode of like, what are you going to do in those scenarios? Those aliens are like really, really hard. So you have to kind of like, you have to really think about where you're going on the game when you're going through that, uh, through the actual pass of the, uh, the actual, uh, the levels. When, when I played that game, hmm. um, you know, obviously Vasquez is like the most badass. She has that freaking huge gun. Yep. Um, but at the time, I didn't know. And so I, I'd never seen aliens oh. before this. No, no, no. Hold on. Oh. I've redeemed myself. I've watched it now. It's fucking amazing. I, dude, badass. I grew up sheltered. One thing you need to know about me is I grew up sheltered. Just like I, your camera, I, it's sheltered. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. We'll, we'll get this fixed one of these weeks. Well, when you start streaming and my shit's blurry, you're going to know it's my side, so you're fine. Ah, well, we'll see. Well, the fact that Coffin's not blurry, that's got to be me. Anyway, so um, I'm sitting here playing the game, and I don't know that Vasquez is a girl. Um, I'm thinking it's a dude. And then like, I, I end up watching the, uh, the, uh, the movie, and then that, that's like a joke. In the movie is you know how like Vasquez is so like dude like and I just like laughed out loud because I had the same reaction like I thought I thought she was a dude. <laughs> so funny though, but yeah, no, that's that game is great. That's a great recommendation, and it's more modern than mine. That's mm-hmm. awesome. Um, should, let's wrap things up. Um, 
So we will be playing um, Kirby Return to Dreamland Deluxe on the Switch um, for bullshit homework going forward. Um, we're gonna give it a few, like at least a week, and we'll see where we're at after one week, um, and we will see where we are at um, with that game. Um, for premium edition games, we do have Super Dungeon Maker for Breeder. Um, Poglings is on Kickstarter, and the complete NES is on Kickstarter. So you appreciate everybody who supported us. Um, pretty. We're gonna wa- wife quest. Wife quest is coming up in two weeks. Um, That's right. Two weeks, week, but a couple weeks we'll have wife quest up. Um, and on VGBS going forward, um, this might be the last time I'm able to host it. We'll see. Maybe next week I can host it from the Switch kiosk over here on the tiny screen. I'll try. <laughs> But, um, yeah, we're also going to try to get Tristan and Coffin up and running because I've shared the overlay, so maybe they can take over. Yep. Um, also do the editing on the audio, which is cool. Um, I'm going to probably use the Wardner soundtrack for this issue, this episode. Ah, very nice. Yeah, I want to hear this. Somewhere in there. It's freaking awesome. Um, and then uh, Phil Morris got to get his, his due for the intro because he did some crazy outtakes with us. Yeah, he did. <laughs> I love that guy. Love that guy. Exactly. Exactly. Really cool. Um, but other than that, I'm gonna be packing up the house, so I get a couple days where I'm gonna be chaotic, and then um, tomorrow I probably won't have time to do the editing, and get the episode up, but I'm gonna try to um, in the next couple days. Right on. Yeah. Awesome. As always, guys, super fun. Yeah. Love um, shooting the shit. Absolutely. I see, I see Ryan in the chat saying he'll fill in for me. Like, I got this little thing called a cell phone that probably has a better camera than my damn webcam. And I could sit here and just, like, go, and chime right <laughs> in. It's just going to be, you know, Tristan or Coffin bringing me into the chat here on the, the, um, the stream on Streamlabs to make sure that I look good on here, which no, no making this look good. So we're good. Um, by the way, Coffin, you'll appreciate this. This shirt right here, WrestleMania 12. I just yes. think Stone Cold was in it as this type of Stone Cold Steve Austin. That's Shawn Michaels from WrestleMania 9. That's The Undertaker from way before that. And Roddy Piper from awesome. WrestleMania 1. So, like, all yes. four characters on here, I don't think were in WrestleMania 12 as such. Because that's when they did the Iron Man match with Shawn and Brett. Like, yep. it's, I think one of the best Austin matches ever. Savio, but he wasn't like this type of Stone Cold. Like, that was, like, a, le- was a leather strap match, I think it was something but like he wasn't traditional stone cold yet so like this WrestleMania 12 shirt got all four wrong it's so good and it's licensed by (laughs) wwe my wife found it it's awesome she's like she found it at a store she's like you're gonna love this and it's like it's perfectly janky and messed up it's awesome um all right so um what are you guys going on the rest of the week What, what are you guys up to just uh, finishing up an old school gamer article. Um, I, I actually have one in the works. I'm, I'm writing an article about premium edition games and how it came to be. Um, it won't be in this coming issue of Old School Gamer, but I want it to be in the subsequent one. So nice. Jeff and I are going to have to get together sometime. I need to interview him, make sure I get all, all my uh, all my information right. Um, so, yeah. And then uh, the uh, next article that I'm writing right now that will be in the next issue is all about, um, and this is something that we talked about in the first uh, in video game bullshit 101 is uh, about you know our how we balance our lives and gaming and and family and and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. So I'm I'm going to uh, interview 
one of the guys that I know down in Texas that uh, is a family man and uh, manages to balance everything pretty nicely. So. And now, Ryan did mention, you know, coming on to fill in. However, we do need to have people on as guests on Video Game Bullshit as well. So that'll be uh, something where we got to figure that out going forward because I would like to have people on. Yeah. Know? Like, if, like for example, if Star Mario is going to do some art for us, like, let's have Mon to talk about his trip in Japan and how he streams because he does his own streaming stuff, which is cool. Most definitely. So, like, I feel like awesome. just supporting the community as best as we can and having Ryan come in and talk about his hand-painted paintings, um, some good stuff. Yes. It'll be, it'll be super fun. Dude, his stuff is ridiculously nice. So okay. detailed. Yeah, I got a robot named fight of him on the wall still, and I'm packed up. His, his is still up here on the wall, one of his pieces. Um, his his other piece that I have is is in storage already. So, but super cool. What are you up to, Coffin? Uh, this weekend I got to. It's uh, my son Leland's first uh, flag football game, so we're prepping him for the first game. He's uh, playing for the uh, Vikings. That's what the they they basically all have NFL teams, which I think is hilarious. So they all pick NFL teams, have NFL jerseys, and so he's playing his first flag football games. So he's pretty excited about that. And uh, just working on my GI Gamer profile on Facebook. Uh, that's basically where I post my videos, pickups do different reels and like we were doing here, like, you know, kind of give people information about games they might not know of. So you can follow me on Facebook if you like, and, uh, nice. appreciate, uh, Abara. And also we give a shout out to my wife for helping me with this desk. So I look professional for you guys. <laughs> Cause I was super <laughs> nervous about it. And like, even Abara was laughing yesterday. Cause I was like, I don't know if it should go here. I don't know if it needs to go here, but it's great to have good friends and, and, and a, an amazing wife that lets me uh, express my passion and let me enjoy video games. So, uh, Melissa, thank you. Freaking cool. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if you all saw on social media, but like last weekend, the wife and I went uh, to Atlanta with my brother-in-law, and we went and saw uh, Queensryche in concert. Which I did see that. So yeah, we were... <laughs> super cool and so like we were there we showed up we went to this like my brother-in-law's like mexican restaurant and this dude knew him so he comes by and we get like margaritas and he comes by with a whole bottle of tequila and he's just like pouring it in our stuff and my yeah. i got a picture of my wife smiling and she took a drink she's like Ooh, like with the face it was so classic um but then we <laughs> went to uh queensryche and there was this opening band never heard of them this trauma and their logo looked like the most 80s metal band band that I ever saw. Um, but as they went, Marty Friedman, who was a guitarist from Megadeth, was later playing. And I went down before Queensryche played to go get some merch. Because my wife wanted, like, there was a signed vinyl record there. So I wanted to go get it for her. The dude from Trauma's there. He's prior service military. And we started oh, talking about shit. Awesome. So, like, dude served, like, eight years in the Army back in the day or something. Back during the Clinton era. And got out and all that. But, like, we were shooting the shit and did a shot and hung out. And he, he signed because uh, I and I was getting the most 80s-looking hoodie. Because my wife always says I have good taste in hoodies. And they had a trauma hoodie there, but it looked like an 80s hoodie. Like a classic hoodie. So I picked it up, and then he signed it for me after. I'm like, oh, well, you signed this. I already have it. Um, he's like, hell yeah. And so we took a crazy-ass picture. Um, and then we were up, we went, decided to go up to the balcony. We were like in the front. So at the end, when Queensryche took a giant picture on their Facebook page, like I'm in the front with my hand up. You can see me in my red Nintendo NES Hawaiian shirt on. 
because I had a red Hawaiian shirt with with um, flowers and Nintendo controllers. That's what I was nice. wearing to a metal show because that's what I did. <laughs> um, super fun though. It was a great time. We had we had gotten those tickets. They were like thirty bucks or something because it was at a bar. But we got those like months ago. Um, this weekend, I am driving to North Carolina to hang out with Josh and Sheena on our team, our engineers. Oh, badass! So I am going to see them. London's getting out of school on Friday, and then we're going to drive out to the mountains. He literally lives in the freaking mountains in North Carolina. Like his house is in the side of a mountain. So um, last time I made the mistake, and we took my wife's Jeep and going around all these curves as I do this with my hand. It was insane. My, my daughter and I both got sick. So this time we're just taking the truck. Um, because I'm moving my house, I have a lot of the premium stuff in my in my uh, truck right now that was in my garage. So I'm going to drop off like a whole back filled with games and books and stuff that he needs for you know selling at convention. Um, yeah. And we're going to probably hang out and drink a lot because that's what we did the last time. He has a Step Mania there, so we were playing the hell out of Step Mania. That was fun. Um... Hopefully, though, because he hasn't really been on phone today, so he might not be feeling well, because he's, I think, doing keto, so he's dieting pretty heavy. So hopefully, Josh. Um, but yeah, I should be hanging out with them this weekend, so that should be super fun. And then Monday, I have to take my truck, or we have to take the Jeep to Atlanta to drop off uh, to ship to Hawaii. So by the time we record on Tuesday... Dude. That's crazy. I'm going to have half my house packed up and gone. And my truck's going to be gone. My, my One of my vehicles is gone. So, wow. yeah. And then household goods is starting to pack on Wednesday. So then my whole house is gutted. I'll set in my switch kiosk, which I'm taking to my own personal storage. So I have a TV and stuff for the next month before we fly to Hawaii. Craziness, though, man. Um, You'll love it out there. It's going to be crazy. It's going to be fun. But anyways, everybody, um, everybody listening, we appreciate y'all tuning in to episode 104 of Video Game Bullshit. Uh, we'll see you next week. Hopefully, we're able to uh, continue this route. Uh, worst case scenario, we'll have audio only and we'll have a video up on YouTube. But we're going to try to stream, right, Tristan? Yep. Try to make it happen. Thanks, everybody, for listening. We'll see you next week. Later, everybody. Later. Later.